Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is Wednesday, November 4th, 2015, and it is about seven minutes after 8 p.m. Pacific time. If that's when it is where you're at, you can participate in the show. 800-932-1980. 800-932-1980. You can also go to the chat room. It's located at our website, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. You'll see the chat link. Click it. Go on in there. And there you go. All right. You can also uh, contact me directly on Yahoo Instant Messenger. My screen name is AVRN Talk. Okay, okay. It's Wednesday, and that means we've got Melissa Roxanne on as co-host. Welcome, Melissa. Well, welcome, Melissa. Could be the fader. Could be her. We never know if this is a uh, dramatic pause or a fader failure. Hello, Melissa. Well, it is Wednesday night. Let me see here. Yep, that's right. My uh, my little official time clock thing says it is Wednesday night. And from my recollection, Wednesday nights is the night that Melissa's on here. So, I don't know. Let's check this fader one last time. Hello. Uh, all right. So, so was it my fader or is it you? I don't know. I think it's I think you. it was both. Uh-huh. I doubt that. Yeah, but it's usually the fader because you never switch it. No. What do you mean I never switch well, it? Well, you said you were going to switch it last Wednesday oh, night. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, I didn't. Yeah, so you can go first because... Oh, I, oh, I see. <laughs> so uh, you weren't ready. You can go first that proves because it. I'm having some problems. Uh, that proves it. It doesn't matter. The fader's still messed up, and <laughs> it always does that every Wednesday night and on my show, too. All right, well, I've got 21 facts about the explosive growth of poverty in America. 
that will blow your mind. That's the uh, headline. And, you know, I mean, a lot of you out there just, you don't need to hear this. You just can go look outside. I mean, you can just think back to your, you know, last week or something, and uh, you know what's going on out there. This starts off by saying what you're about to see is more evidence that the growth of poverty in the United States is wildly out of control. Number one, the U.S. Census Bureau says that nearly 47 million Americans are living in poverty right now, which is odd because they say 90-something million of working-age people are not working. So that's about like half. So wait a minute. So only half of the people not working are living in poverty? The other half isn't? How are you not living in poverty if, you, if you're of working age and you're not working? But 47 million Americans are now living in poverty. Number two, other numbers from the U.S. Census Bureau are also very disturbing. For example, in 2007, one out of every eight children in America was on food stamps. Today... That number is one out of every five. According to Catherine J. Eldon and H. Luke Schaefer, the authors of the new book entitled $2 a Day Living on Almost Nothing in America, there are 1.5 million ultra-poor households in the United States that live on less than $2 a day. And by the way, that number has doubled since 1996. 46 million Americans use food banks each year and lines start forming at some U.S. food banks as early as 6.30 in the morning because people want to get something before the food supplies run out. The number of homeless children in the U.S. has increased by 60% over the past six years. Wow, boy, that 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 Obama's been doing a great job. He's been great for the country. Not only has he gone around the world starting wars, not only has he created an economic catastrophe about to happen, but hey, he's grown the, you know, homeless children in America by 60%. That's impressive. According to Poverty USA, 1.6 million American children slept in a homeless shelter or some other form of emergency housing last year. Police in New York City have identified 80 separate homeless encampments in the city, and the homeless crisis there has gotten so bad that it's being described as an epidemic. Well, time to start beating the homeless, I'd say. Beat them into prosperity. There you go. Beat them into prosperity. That's what they need to do. Because they're only homeless because ah, they, they don't want a home. They don't want to work. They don't want anything. They just want to be a they just want to take up park benches from good, normal, working people. That's all they want. Anyway, if you can believe it, more than half of all students in our public schools are poor enough to qualify for school lunch subsidies. Half, half, half of all the kids in public school. And you can bet that's gone up now after the alien invasion because they're sending all their little chidlins to school. Even though they don't speak English or anything, it doesn't matter. Um... Uh, According to the Census Bureau report that was released a while back, 65% of all children in the U.S. are now living in a home that receives some form of aid from the federal government. 65%. What does that say, folks? 65% of the population is going to vote for more welfare, more handouts, more socialism. 
According to a report uh, that was published by UNICEF, uh, almost one-third of all children in this country live in households with an income below 60% of the national median income. When it comes to child poverty, the United States ranks 36th. Well, that sounds pretty good, uh, except uh, that's out of 41. The number of Americans that are living in concentrated areas of high poverty has doubled since the year 2000. An astounding 45% of all African American children in the United States live in areas of concentrated poverty. That would be the inner city, folks. That would be Chicago. 40.9% of all children in the United States that are being raised by a single parent are living in poverty. So how's that working out? An astounding 48.8% of all 25-year-old Americans still live at home with their parents. Man, that is really sad. I mean, that's like seven years past the due date, the expiration date, should I say, of of me living at home. I mean, really. I, hey, I'd have lived there till I was 25. But... My old man had a different idea about life, and uh, 18, and you're down the road, buddy. Good luck. We'll help you if we can, but uh, you're you're going to be you're going to be living somewhere else. There are simply not enough good jobs to go around anymore. It may be hard to believe, but 51 percent of all American workers make less than thirty thousand dollars a year. There are, you know, if I made thirty thousand dollars a year, I would feel like I was Donald Trump, minus you know bad hair and running for president, but I mean, that would be like really rich for me. But there are 7.9 million working age Americans that are officially unemployed right now, and another 94.7 million working age Americans that are considered to be not in the labor force. When you add those two numbers together, you get a grand total of 102.6 million working age Americans that don't have a job right now. Wow. Owning a home has traditionally been a signal that you belong in the middle class. That is why it's so alarming that the rate of home ownership in the United States has been falling for eight years in a row. Hmm, what coincides with that? Oh, yeah, that's right. Remember? Liar loans where, oh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, everybody was owning a home for a couple of weeks till the first payment was due. And then, hey, oh, I can't pay this. Well, you know, <laughs> according to a recent Pew study survey approximately 70 percent of all americans believe that debt is a necessary is a necessity in their lives well of course 70 percent it's a necessity well why wouldn't it be we're a debt-based economy our our government runs on debt geez debt is an asset yay at this point 25 percent of all americans have a negative net worth you realize that 25% of all Americans have a negative net worth? That means that the value of what they owe is greater than the value of everything that they own. So, folks, you know what? If you have no debt and you have $1 in your pocket, you're doing better than 25% of Americans. The top 0.1% of all American family have about as much wealth as the bottom 90% of all American families combined. So it's not the, t- <laughs> you know, that whole, the, the, the one percenters. Uh, well, no, it's the, you know, point one percenters. Anyhow, you ready, Melissa? Got anything? Yes. Okay. Well, then, take it away. 
Okay, so in Chicago, the U.S. government on Monday found that a Chicago suburban high school district discriminated against a transgender student and gave this school a month to provide full access to girls' locker rooms or lose federal funding. The student who has not been named in the ACLU, American Civil Liberties Union, which brought a complaint on her behalf, applauded the findings, while the school district called them serious overreach. After an investigation stemming from a 2013 complaint by the ACLU and months of negotiations, I don't know what that means, they don't say, the U.S. Department of Education's Office for Civil Rights found Township High School District 211 was violating federal non-discrimination rules. The district says transgender students may use their gender-identified locker room if they change and shower privately. The government said a separate changing place was discriminatory because it subjected the student to stigma and different treatment. The case is seen as clarifying federal rules on locker room access at a time of expanding awareness of transgender issues. And this is on the Huffington Post, so, you know, they're totally commie, anti-crimes and all that. In mid-October, the school district with five high school... You know, wait a minute. You know, that Huffington Post is absolutely liberal, but I want to point out and remind everybody that that woman there, Huffington... Okay, running that rag used to be a ultra conservative Nazi type chick, if you remember. Okay, because she was married to a you know a Republican donor. He was a conservative old man, and he died. And when he died, her true colors came out, and she's a communist. So just to just so you know, folks, these people. You know, Rudy Giuliani, Ronald Reagan, uh, Huffington, all these people, okay, they pose, they play at being Republicans and conservatives. But really, all along, they're communists. And they just want to weasel their way in. You know, they're, they are truly wolves in sheep's clothing, is, yeah. is what they are. And they're, and they're all over the place. Anyway, go ahead. In mid-October, the school district with five high schools and two alternative high schools west of Chicago defied the government, continuing to deny full locker room access for the transgendered student. Assistant U.S. Secretary for Civil Rights Catherine Lehman said the high school was disobeying the law. All students deserve the opportunity to participate equally in school programs and activities. This is a basic civil right, she said in a statement. And so here is from the transgendered student, a quote, this decision makes me extremely happy because of what it means for me personally and for countless others, the student said. In a statement released by the ACLU, the district's policy stigmatized me, often making me feel like I was not a normal person. The school district said... You're not a normal person. You're a freak. Yeah. The school district said the issue was critical for schools nationwide. Superintendent Daniel Cates said in a statement that what we offer is reasonable and honors every student's dignity. 
Last year, the district received $6 million in federal money contingent on compliance with non-discrimination rules. The student in the case has identified as female for years. The school lists her as a female student, and she plays on the girls' sports teams and uses girls' restrooms. The school district has provided the student with a separate changing facility outside the locker room and installed privacy curtains on stalls in one locker room out of the three that she uses for physical education, swimming, and athletics programs, according to the federal government's findings. So it's not clear yet whether the school is going to, you know, you know, just lose the federal funding and do what they want or whether they're going to abide by it, but... Well, and that's the big issue. See, the big issue is they talk about, well, you've got to do this, it's the federal law, and you've got to do that because it's the federal law. Well, only if you take the federal money. Yeah. You know, so you school districts out there and you people out in the school districts, this is another reason why you need, and I've, I've, I've mentioned this many times in the past, that if you have children especially, but then again, if you're a property owner paying property tax to support these whack jobs, you should go to the um, school district meetings. And you should tell these people, ask them, how much federal money are you getting? What federal rules do you provide? You know, do you allow boys who say, I feel pretty today? Do you allow them to use the girls' locker room? Do you allow them to use the girls' bathrooms? And if they say yes, well, you know, we have to. No, you don't have to. Give them back their money. Do without. Fire some of these teachers. Fire some of these administrators. You know, and and take control of your school district. You can do it, folks, but you can't do it from your couch watching television. You've got to go to these school district meetings. And if you've got children and you're not going to those school district meetings, you are a bad parent, okay? You suck, okay? That's just basically it. And you know why I say that? You know why I care? Because you're going to send your little stupid monsters out into the world to destroy where I live, okay? Your bad parenting affects me negatively. You know, and if you can't, you know what, if you can't take care of your kids, then maybe uh, you should get rid of them. You know, ship them off. Hey, there's Saudi Arabians waiting for them. Sell them to some Muslims. Why not? Come on. Because they have no future anyway if you're just going to sit on your big fat welfare butt watching your children turn into homosexuals. What a... <laughs> You know, hey, might as well sell them. They'd be better off. I'm serious, man. It's it it really makes me angry about these schools and how they. How, when did this? Five years ago, this would have never been, you know, even imagined, would it? I mean, out of nowhere, Melissa. Out of nowhere. Years. But Out of nowhere, this has come where boys are using yeah. girls' bathrooms and stuff. I mean, it was like Kate. I know. It was and like Bruce, people... Bruce Jenner gets his whacker cut yeah. off and, uh, and grows a pair of boobs, and all of a sudden now the mm-hmm. whole world has changed. Well, I'm sure that that has influenced a lot of people. You know, big time. So, 
and these are these are children under 18 years old. I mean, and and what they're going to say the same thing for elementary school, kindergarten students, preschoolers next. I mean, it's crazy. And these people haven't even had sex changes, or maybe you know they have both now female parts and male parts for them that are in the transition or whatever. And, uh, yeah, so it, all the people on Huffington Post, almost all of them, of course, are totally for, you know, the rights of the transgenders. And and, and I guess nobody else, it doesn't matter about the majority of the people and how we feel. And what about all the, the kids? Thing. What about all the kids that, you know, what about the girls? Mm-hmm. In the in their locker room that feel violated and uncomfortable yeah. when uh, some sissy pulls his pants down and his wankers hanging out there. What about them? What about right. those girls? What about what about their right? I agree. That's what I'm saying. Totally. And you know, I highly doubt that somebody transitioning to so-called be a male, you know, that was born female, is going to want to do the same thing in the male locker room. Yeah, well. Because they would probably get killed, you know, if they tried it. So apparently they feel like they can do it because the females aren't going to do anything. But anyway, it just shows you how far down the tubes we're, we've gone. And it's only going to get worse. Yeah, well, that's true. But, I mean, I think this has just happened so fast. And this whole Houston, homo thing has happened so Houston fast. Houston voted this week to scuttle a pro-transgender measure that opponents claimed would allow men to freely go into women's bathrooms, locker rooms, and showers. A vote that didn't sit well with the New York Times, and apparently it's been a year-long battle over so-called gay, really sodomites, and transgender rights, and turned into a costly, ugly war of words, and it concluded when voters repealed an anti-discrimination ordinance that had attracted attention from the White House, sports figures, and celebrity um, Hollywood celebrities, Holly Weird, the newspaper said of Tuesday's referendum vote. The Houston City Council originally passed the measure, the Houston Equal Rights Ordinance, in May 2014 by a vote of 11 to 6. The ordinance would have banned discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity, criteria not covered by federal anti-discrimination laws, especially in city employment, city services, city contracting practices, housing, public accommodations, and private employment. The ordinance would have also made prohibitions against discrimination based on sex, race, color, ethnicity, national origin, age, familial status, marital status, military status, religion, disability, genetic information, and pregnancy explicit in the city's code out of discrimination based on these characteristics was already prohibited by federal law. But opponents of the measure said the pro-transgender nature of the ordinance could let some people exploit the pro-transgender language and open the door for male predators to enter women's bathrooms and locker rooms freely. Those opponents succeeded in putting the issue to a referendum vote after a long court battle. On Tuesday, as they operated under the banner of no men in women's bathrooms, opponents succeeded in convincing Houston to shoot down the ordinance as 60% of voters rejecting it and only 39% said yes. Isn't Houston the one that had the uh, lesbian mayor? I'm not sure. Yeah, nice Texas town. 
got yourself a lesbian mayor and you got yourself some transgender bathrooms. That's and opponents of the measure said the ordinance had nothing to do with discrimination and was about the mayor's gay agenda being forced on the city. So you're right, yes. Yep. They denied that they had any bias against gay people and said the ordinance was so vague that it would make anyone who tried to keep any man from entering a women's bathroom the subject of a city investigation and fine. Supporters, for their part, simply failed to counter likely overblown claims that the ordinance would open the door to increases in predatory behavior that New York Times commie paper added. So, Well... You know, the bottom line is, and this has been the, uh, you know, ongoing (laughs) idea for many things, is that, look, the government is going to keep doing what they're doing. They are not going to stop. You can complain. You can try to write ordinances. They've got their homos in high places. They've got all the freaks in positions of power. They're not going to give it up. They're not going to do the right thing. They're not going to do what the people want. So the people are going to have to take matters into their own hands. It's just that simple. All this BS about, oh, oh, vigilantes is so bad. No, vigilantes are necessary when the government has run amok. And they have run amok. Okay, they don't care. They're not going to stop unless we stop them. And they're not going to be stopped by saying, "Uh, could you please stop? That's not right. That's not good. That's not in the Bible. That's not, uh, you know, you're 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 putting us all in danger health wise uh, by doing all this stuff. They don't care. They don't care about any of it. It's unconstitutional. No, it's unbiblical. It's uh, it's stupid. They don't care. They have their agenda and they're going to keep pushing it until somebody grabs them by the neck and throws them out of a 10-story window and watches them splat on the ground and say, "Okay, who's next?" You know, I mean, really this is where it's going to end, folks. If you're waiting around for somebody else to do it for you, it ain't going to happen. You're going to be overrun. I mean, hell, you're going to be overrun anyway. You might as well kiss it goodbye, folks, because you know what? I mean, we have parents. We have parents that watch little Johnny come home and start wearing a dress and putting on makeup. And they think that's cute. They think that's fine. And even if they don't, they're too afraid to say anything because, oh, little Johnny will go to the ACLU. Uh, CSD will come by and take the little kid away and put him in foster care. You know what I say? Hey, I'll tell you what. If my kid came home like that, I'd pack his bag and bring him down to CDS and say, hey, you know what? Uh, I have a, a homeless child here, and you better take care of him because uh, he don't live in my house anymore. Honest to God, that would be it, man. It's like, nope, sorry. All this crap about, well, you know, you got to love your kids. even Really? Uh, let's just say you got Jeffrey Dahmer as your kid. Really? You're going you're gonna to coddle little Jeffrey, huh? Are you? He was such a nice boy. Everybody liked him. All except until, well, he killed him and ate him. And then, you know, yeah. It's all fun and games until somebody gets killed and eaten. Yeah, right. Look, you can't sit by and go, oh, isn't that cute? Oh, well, you know, you just got to love them anyway. No, when they're doing wrong, it's your job. It's your duty. It's your obligation as a parent to set them straight, tell them what's right, tell them what's wrong, and consequences. Teach them about consequences. See, these kids have no idea about consequences. They think they can wear a dress and slap on some makeup and act like a girl, and everything's cute and fun and all happy. 
Yeah, until they die when they're 40 years old because it's a lifestyle of death. And if you sit there and allow them to do it without any opposition, you know, you're, you're cutting your children's lives short and everybody that they come in contact with. It's, it, you know. But, you know, do you see a uh, solution? I mean, what, what, <laughs> what should people do? voice their opposition to these things, like you said, you know, uh, I don't know. They can't just sit there and, and let it happen, but apparently that is what everybody is doing, um, except for, hey, when this was put up to a vote, people, you know, voted and showed the way they really feel, and they say that that's the fourth largest American city, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, they claim that it's been democratically controlled and and so the New York Times is saying it's a lot more conservative than people are led to believe because they promote it as a gay-friendly city. So, But we know what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. Yep. And I think that's coming to the United States. So it's about, you know, I think God has, has had enough. Our Heavenly Father has had enough of it. And with the U.S. Supreme Court allowing Sodomites to marry, you know, I think we're gonna we're gonna get punished soon for that, and for all the other stuff going on like this. So. Well, that's true, but it's time for a break, and uh, we'll take a break. We'll play stump the room, and we'll be back in just a few.
have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149. $99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. AVR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
miss me just the same Just the same This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It's still Wednesday, November 4th, 2015, 847 and a half out here. 
And, uh, you know, the number 800-932-1980. The chat room's at the website, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. And you can contact me directly on Yahoo Instant Messenger. My screen name is AVRN Talk. Okay. Well, uh, let's see here. It's Wednesday night. We've got Melissa Roxanne as co-host. Are you there, Melissa? I am now because you turned the fader again. I think that was you. It wasn't. Anyway, uh, did you guess the song? No, I didn't. You didn't? I didn't. Or I didn't. Didn't? You say you say didn't. (laughs) You didn't. (laughs) No. Well, I don't think they did in the chat room either. Uh, I I saw some guesses. They're all wrong. Uh, because the band was the same band on both songs, and uh, I liked them myself. And they are a band called Radio Moscow. And you might think that they're a European band or a band from the '60s or something, but they're really not. They're an American band from Story City, Iowa, and. They only formed in 2003, and they're currently still playing. So this is a current band, folks. This is not, you know, something from the 60s that I, uh, you know, went out and unburied, you know. <laughs> it's uh, They're actually a current band called Radio Moscow. So there you have it, folks. Check them out. Anyway, there you have it. I think it's your turn. Or is it your turn? Mm, I think it's yours. Mine. Mm-hmm. But I can go if you want. Oh, no, no, no. We can't have that. If I have, uh, you know. Oh, wow. I did this one before, I think. Uh, but this is terrible. I mean, uh, you probably heard this, but I'll I'll read the headline anyway. I did the story already. Hormone disrupting chemical banning mm-hmm. you found in 50 makes, top U.S. snacks. Yeah, it makes people sterile. Yeah. It affects their sperm and all that. Hey, guess what? Mm-hmm. If you're in a boat, Department of Homeland Security slash Coast Guard are spying on American boaters, and they're forcing them, forcing boaters to spend their own money to buy locators that will let the Coast Guard know where they are every 15 to 30 seconds. DHS is forcing boaters to purchase their own transponders, which can go from $500 to thousands of dollars. These transponders will ping their speed and location to DHS slash Coast Guard, foreign governments, and the UN. You know, I don't think that this is, I don't think this will stand. I think somebody is going to sue them and say, no, look, you know what? You can't, you know, because the whole thing about the federal government going to the states and saying, well, we want you to do this. And the states are like, okay, give me the money to do that. Because you can't come here and just tell us to do things without paying for it. You want something done, fine. Pay for it. And so if they can't do that with the states, how can they do that to people? Saying, well, you know, if you want to go out in your boat out in the ocean, you're going to have to buy this or else you can't. I mean, and what's with the boat surveillance? I mean, these people have gone insane. It's just a complete 
sham that everybody thinks, oh my gosh, you know, it's for national security. Uh, it's all, you know, it's all just to keep us safe. No, it's not. It's to surveil you. Now, hey, how about this? You're going to like this. Everybody's going to like well, this. Well, chips this are be- coming to everybody. Not everybody, but most of the people. This should make everybody, everybody nervous. Mm-hmm. Because if they're doing it in one place, they're doing it in more than one place. Cops now stealing your stuff. You know why? Say it isn't so. You know why they're doing it, though, now? What? To what? protect you from people who might steal your stuff. I know. It doesn't make much sense, does it? But New Haven, Connecticut, in a ridiculous move that they say is designed to protect citizens from theft, the New Haven Police Department. Hello, you people in Connecticut. Yes, the uh, we have somebody in the chat room from Connecticut, and uh, one of the hosts on the uh, Sulphur Hour lives in Connecticut. And, uh, you know, I think both of them refer to it as the People's Republic of Connecticut. And, uh, boy, they're, they're not kidding. The New Haven Police Department has begun stealing things from innocent individuals. Yeah, I'm not making this up. The New Haven Police Department announced its plans this week to start stealing things from unsuspecting residents who leave their doors unlocked. If you're missing your valuables, it may not have been taken by a private thief. It could have been stolen by a public thief. According to Lieutenant Herbert Sharp of the New Haven Police Department, police are now taking private property from unlocked cars and bringing it to the station. This, of course, is done to deter theft. You know, what's next? You know, they're going to start shooting people to deter murder? Because, hey, who's ever heard of anybody murdering a dead guy, right? So if we kill you, there'll be no more murders. Right? I mean, that's really what they're doing here. We're going to steal your stuff so nobody else can. Sharp assures the public that when his officers are opening the door to your property and removing your belongings with no search warrant and no probable cause, that this is 100% legal. It's called a caretaker. When it comes to a car, if there's something in plain view that is of value and the car is unlocked, law enforcement can go into the car and retrieve that item and take it into the property room and place it where it's safe, Sharp told residents at the most recent meeting of the East Rock management team. You know what? When he was up there in the meeting, they should have stoned him to death. Sharp, whose intentions are no doubt noble in purpose, give me a break. He, he, if they are noble in purpose, he's an idiot, okay? He's too stupid to hold the job as chief of police. If his, you know, if he really thinks he's doing something good, how dumb are you? I mean, really. He says that this theft, to prevent theft, will do two things. The bad guy's not going to break into the car and be able to take that item. It inconveniences the person to come down and pick up the property. Sharp says this inconveniences tough love approach to teach people a lesson by causing them undue stress in provisionally stealing their stuff. Maybe next time they won't leave their stuff in plain view. Or maybe next time I'll leave my door unlocked, I'll hide behind the couch, and when your cops come breaking into my house, I'll shoot them dead. How about that? How about we do that instead? And then it can be some tough love for the cops to stay out of people's houses. Man, I, I tell you, man, this is just unbelievable. Can you, can you believe this? 
I, I mean, honestly, you believe Unbelievable. I, it's, Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, I'll tell you what, man. It's, we say you know, that to each other. It's a song. You really go too, they really go too far, man, but your turn. Yeah, they do. If somebody says there's a fine line between cops and crooks, well, apparently that line is now erased, okay? There is no more line because somebody grabbing my stuff because they can uh, that's a thief, okay? That's a crook. I don't care what gang colors you're wearing, whether they're blue gang colors or red gang colors. You're a crook. Go ahead. Okay, so more than 81,000 unaccompanied minors have been released to sponsors inside the U.S. over the last two years, according to the Department of Health and Human Services. The U.S.-Mexico border has experienced a surge in unaccompanied minors entering the country illegally over the past couple of years. As the HHS data reveals, most of these unaccompanied minors have been relocated to states around the U.S. Last fiscal year, which ended on September 30th, 27,520 accompanied minors were placed with sponsors in the U.S. And it says accompanied, but I guess they meant unaccompanied. In fiscal year 2014, the government placed another, okay, another 53,518 unaccompanied. So they were right, minors throughout the U.S. So that's quite a lot, 27,000 plus accompanied and 53,000 plus unaccompanied. Uh, the Office of Refugee Settlement Resettlement, ORR, which is part of HHS has placed children in every state in the U.S., including the District of Columbia. States with the highest numbers of unaccompanied minors over the past two years include California with 9,587, Florida 8330, Georgia 3,075, Maryland 5,668, New Jersey 4,120, New York 8,570, North Carolina, 2,897, Texas, 10,618, and Virginia, 5,563. In fiscal year 2014, Border Patrol apprehended more than 68,540 unaccompanied minors attempting to illegally enter the U.S. via the southern border. Another 39,970 unaccompanied minors were apprehended illegally crossing the border in fiscal year 2015. Most of these minors are from Central America, largely from Honduras, El Salvador, and Guatemala. Unaccompanied minors from non-contiguous counties are granted special protections, including a court hearing and access to the U.S. under the care of a sponsor while they await those hearings. The government places the vast majority of these unaccompanied children with a relative in the U.S. When a child who is not accompanied by a parent or legal guardian is apprehended by immigration authorities, the child is transferred to the care and custody of the Office of Refugee, Refugee Resettlement, ORR. Federal law requires that ORR feed, shelter, and provide medical care for unaccompanied children until it is able to release them to safe settings with sponsors, usually family members, while they await immigration proceedings. These sponsors live in many states. And uh, HHS officials have testified before Congress that the government does not verify the immigration status of the sponsors with whom they place the minors. The vast majority of minors are placed with family members. So the minors can be living, the illegal alien minors are placed in homes of other illegal aliens. 
Exactly. They don't even check. They just place them. Yeah, well, if they're family members, you can bet that they are illegal. Yep, and then they they give you these sob stories, you know, about how you can't deport me because my child is here or my whoever, you know, and my family that's a minor is here and stuff like that. Well, then take them with you, or they can go live in a foster home. They can be adopted by some Americans or something, or you can take your child, but either way, you're leaving. Yeah. That's how it ought to be, but it isn't going to be. It isn't going to be until this government is taken down. The United States federal government is the problem, people. You're not going to fix it by electing Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton or anybody else. It isn't going to fix it because it's rotten to the core. It has to be destroyed. Sorry, that's just the reality of it. And, you know, however that happens, I mean, it's pretty much on self-destruct as it is. You know, pretty, I, I mean, I, you know, really, the, the most of the people can just sit back and try to prepare for this and, you know, just watch it happen. Because this thing is imploding on itself. The only it's question amazing. is, what are they going to try as to do? As bad as everything is, uh, you know, it's just... They can't even keep it together at all. Well, the thing is, is what are they going to try to put together when it does explode? we got to stop them there where we might have a chance. Instead of sitting and panicking and crying and asking FEMA to come and help you, this is why you got to be prepared. Anyway, we got to go. We're out of time. Thanks for being on, Melissa. We'll see you next Wednesday. Melissa's got her show live on Mondays. Monday is replayed on Friday afternoon. So if you want to hear Melissa's two-hour show, New World Order Info, that's when it's on. Check the schedule. Thanks for listening, folks. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Whether you call it commercial redemption or accept it for value, The Commerce Game Exposed is the book that will help you understand this process. The fact is, there is no lawful money in circulation. The explanation and details as to how this happened are enlightening, and the instructions concerning what one can do with this information are detailed and easy to understand. Utilizing this process is not for everyone, but learning how lawful money has been turned into commercial debt instruments should be of concern to everyone. The Commerce Game Exposed book is a good tool to learn the commercial nature of the New World Order. To order The Commerce Game Exposed, go to www.theamericanvoice.com or call 541-826-9050. That's 541-826-9050. 
Vitamin E prevents internal blood clots, but not all vitamin E is equal. Would you like to get a vitamin E that makes blood flow more smoothly than Plavix, but with no harmful side effects? For Spectrum Natural Unesterified Vitamin E Complex has been called WD-40 for your blood. It actually lubricates the blood while it dissolves plaque. It prevents platelet aggregation and internal clotting. It neutralizes smoke, fumes, waste, and other harmful free radicals. Doctors report relief from angina, painful leg cramps, strokes, fibrocystic breast tumors, circulation problems, and much more. Get one bottle for $35 postpaid, two bottles for only $60 postpaid. Restore this vital nutrient removed from your food supply through food processing. Read more at 4spectrum.us, spelled number 4spectrum.us. Call 800-581-8906. That's 800-581-8906. Order today. Can your family survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, and dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at Freeze Dry Guy at Lancet.com. That's Freeze Dry Guy at L-A-N-S-E-T.com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Boys Radio. Something very disturbing is happening in presidential campaign 2008. ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, Fox, Rush Limbaugh, and Sean Hannity have joined forces to hide the only champion of the Constitution running for president, Congressman Ron Paul. Ron Paul's public service spans 30 years. He has never voted for a tax increase. He voted against going into the Iraq war. He wants to abolish the IRS, safeguard the Second Amendment, and ensure free speech on the Internet. Congressman Ron Paul. People have underestimated the number of people in this country that are interested in a freedom message. Just being free. Leading the cause for freedom. We have someone on our side now. Find out what the big TV networks, Rush and Hannity, have been hiding from you. Go to TakeBackAmerica2008.com. That's TakeBackAmerica2008.com. When to see the captain. Strangers I could find. Laid my proposition down. Played it on the line.
welcome to the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. We are uh, heard on KU seven satellite stream, satellite streams, internet streams, seven internet streams, the KU satellite, uh, Galaxy 25, frequency 11836. If you get that far, you'll be able to find us seven streams ranging from 8K to 64K. Oh, various FMs around the country, around the world, Australia, New Zealand, uh, Venezuela, Canada, uh, mostly in the United States, though. We do welcome all of you. But if none of that works, uh, you can always dial into the phone bridge. So if you have a phone, you can get in. You'll have to pay for that. It is not free, like the 800 number to call in. You can call in free, one 800 Four three three one four tonight. Tonight's the night to call in, folks, because I don't have a guest. I don't really have a subject. Oh, I'll find something to talk about, no doubt. But uh, tonight's the night. If you ever thought about calling in, call in. Uh, so uh, you should uh, call in. Now, I uh, I got an instant message here from Drew, who was making a comment about the last show, which is Shortwave Wars, and... Uh, had to run a repeat. Uh, there was a little uh, mess up with the uh, the new show, which there'll be a new show next week, and from therefore there on, now we have it solved. But you know, things pop up, and uh, you know, there's just not enough time to deal with it. So you just try to make uh, changes for next time, and it doesn't happen again. So uh, we got it going on, and uh, Drew was making some comments there about BBS Patriot Talk Radio. Uh, never really have heard of them. Uh, need to know about that. Well, I guess I need to get on it and find out about it because, you know, I there's there's a lot of this stuff I know about because I've been doing this a while, but uh, there's a lot of stuff I don't know about, you know. Earlier today, I had the misfortune of watching the Republican uh, debate, or at least... Uh, a good chunk of it, because it was on at 1 o'clock in the afternoon on Wednesday, uh, Iowa time. Good planning, huh? Alan Keyes was there. Uh, everybody's wondering, how do you get in here? You know, I mean, because uh, there's a... You know, there is... Qualifications, that's the word I'm looking for. Qualifications, had a little brain freeze there. If you were listening to Gianni Hayes' show, maybe it's uh, too much wireless stuff all over me. Uh, that's why I get these brain freezes every once in a while. But anyways, I uh, where was I? Oh, yeah, see? There's qualifications. To get into this thing, remember there were some worries that, hey, you know, Ron Paul might not even be allowed uh, at the debate in Iowa. Because the qualifications are that you set up a campaign office in the state of Iowa. Meaning, you know, you rent a building, or somebody donates your building, whatever. You don't have to, doesn't necessarily have to be spending money, but you have to have, uh, you know, an office. You have to have a telephone number there. You got to have a, a base of operations to run your campaign within the state of Iowa, so they say. Then you also have to poll at 1% or greater. Well, Alan Keyes has done neither, so you got to wonder. How did you get in here? You know, I'm serious. I mean, and that's not a, you know, it, it, look, if they didn't let Alan Keyes in, they would have all been those white bread Iowa racists. 
But seeing as how they did, you know, now I'm saying, hey, what is this? You know, are you all racist? Is that why you're, you know, so I guess they can't win for losing. But the thing is, uh, I I don't know. You know, if there was a question about Ron Paul being in it and then they let Alan Keyes in it, you know, I, I think this is a message. And the thing is, the only reason I believe they let Alan Keyes in is, one, to try to avoid being called a bunch of, you know, white bread, Iowan, uh, you know, corn-fed racists out there. And the other is to divert attention away from Ron Paul by the distraction of Alan Keyes. Okay. Now I don't mind Alan Keyes other than he's a he's a globalist. I like his stand on abortion. I don't like his stand on what he wants to do about it, which he wants more federal intervention. You know, another crime, another federal crime, and I don't want that. Let's make it illegal in your state. Let's make it murder in the state that you live in. Anyway, that's not all that's going on, and there really wasn't much going on at that debate. The uh, I, I've never seen a more horribleness. Horribleness. Hmm. Anyway, the commenta- the uh, moderator. Sorry, it was just terrible. It was just awful. It never seen any, never seen anything worse. I'm serious. Even at a high school debate. But enough about the debate. You can go look it up yourself and, uh, you know, bring bring your barf bag with you. Yeah, I know. Horribleness. Is that a word? I, it is now. I just said it. I speaked it into existence, didn't I? You know, hey, everybody else, how do you think all the words we use got here? Somebody made them up, right? Well, there you go. I just made up one. And I'm not done yet either. But let's talk money. Central banks in Europe and North America moved Wednesday to increase the amount of money they could lend to banks <laughs> and to make it more readily available in an attempt to ease the credit squeeze. Now, there it is, folks. We'll fix this. We'll just print up more money. Man, I'll tell you what. It's just, it, it, it's unbelievable that this is supposed to fix this. These banks made bad loans, they're doing bad business and bad management, and they're being rewarded and bailed out, and they should all go to jail. That's what should happen to these bankers. Now, all the people that got these loans and got these houses, you know what I say? Hey, you know, whatever the loan was that you agreed to, boom, lock it in, let them pay that to the new bankers that come in and replace all the ones that went to prison. Because that's where they should all go. It was the first time since September 11, 2001, terrorist attacks in New York and on the Pentagon, that these central banks have coordinated their support of financial markets. In other words, manipulation. See, coordinated support is manipulation, folks. Let's not miss this, all right? They can write this. Don't these writers write pretty? Who the heck's writing this anyway? The International Herald Tribune Business Section, and this was written by Floyd Norrisan Carter Dowertry. Jeez! You know, get a, get a real name. Shorten that sucker up. Nobody likes a pompous ass, all right? Gee! Coordinated their support means manipulating the market, all right? 
Manipulation is usually a bad thing when you have a central banking system doing the manipulating. Uh, well, actually, let me think. Yeah, there's not really that many times when manipulating the market's a good thing by no matter who it is. So we'll just call it bad right off the bat. Stark markets rose in Europe and the Americas after the announcement by the U.S. Federal Reserve, the Bank of Canada, the European Central Bank, the Bank of England, and the Swiss National Bank. Yeah, I'd say that's uh, manipulation. And why would they do this? Is there a worldwide bad business practice by the banks of lending money to people who really shouldn't be getting loans? Is that what's gone on? Or are all these banks actually the same bank? Oh, see, that's what I've been saying. All these banks are the same bank. They're not different banks. They're just like, the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia, the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco, the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago, Federal Reserve Bank in New York. They're all Federal Reserve Banks. They're all owned by the Federal Reserve. Oh, no, wait a minute. You got that backwards, Frank. See, these banks supposedly own the Federal Reserve System, except they take their marching orders from the Federal Reserve Bank in New York. So... One must wonder, then, if they have a regional head office, the Federal Reserve Bank in New York, what if all these other banks, like the Bank of Canada, the European Central Bank, the Bank of England, the Swiss National Bank... Wait a minute. The Bank of England. The Bank of England. Hmm. That's come up before. What if all these banks are actually little offshoots, like the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago is to the Federal Reserve Bank in New York? What if the Federal Reserve and the Bank of Canada, the European Central Bank, and the Swiss National Bank are all just subsets of the Bank of England? Hmm. What if? Well, they've just moved to bail out the U.S. banks who made bad loans. In the United States, the Standard & Poor's 500 stock index made up nearly half of its losses from Tuesday. When stocks fell after the Fed cut interest rates modestly, but then dipped, closing up 8.94 points, the Dow Jones stocks 600, a broad measure of European markets, rose 1.2 points to close at 374.75. Fed officials said the United move was an effort to improve financial markets, not a response to problems at any individual bank. Liars! Well, actually, they're not liars, because it's not any individual bank that's got problems. It's a lot of banks that got problems here in the United States. A lot of big banks. And I'm sure the Federal Reserve System went to its handlers and said, you know what, to the World Bank, the IMF, and said, hey, you know what, we got to do something about this market, because if we don't, it's going down and it's dragging all of you with it. So uh, what do you say? Let's pump some money into this sucker. And that's exactly what they did. This is not about particular financial institutions with particular problems, said senior Fed official 
in a background briefing for reporters. It's about market functioning. So in other words, this isn't about bailing our buddies out. This is about the market surviving. That's how bad it is, folks. You, you, can you read into this? They're manipulating the markets in order to save them, because if they were let to just go, they would crash and burn. And it's not about bailing out specific banks. It's about saving their system. Economists and market specialists welcomed the Fed's intervention, but expressed some skepticism whether it would be enough to allay the biggest problems in the credit markets related to the sharp drop in the value of the U.S. mortgage securities. We have a Fed now that seems to understand the liquidity problem of the marketplace, said William Gross, the chief investment officer of Pacific Investment Management, the bond management firm who should go to jail. These measures, while limited in size and with limitations in acceptance of collateral, should certainly instill a measure of confidence to the private market. You know what would put confidence in the market if all the leaders of all these banks and all the loan officers all went to prison? That would give me a lot more confidence than I have right now. Gross added, now it's up to the private market to gain a little confidence and turn a little macho and start performing on its own. The move by the central... You know what? That's the problem here in America. We don't have anything to perform with. This is going to work for a while because you're pumping artificial money into the system. It's like going, okay, look, here's the deal, folks. You ever play Monopoly? Have you? I'm sure most of you have. Okay, so you're at the Monopoly board, and there's a banker, and there's so much money, and we start playing Monopoly. And, uh, you know, certain players around the board start rolling lucky and monopolizing the board. They start owning Boardwalk, Park Place. They start owning everything, building hotels, and wow. And you're rolling along, and you're doing all right, and then you hit Boardwalk, and whoo, man, hurts you pretty bad. Well, you know now, so you play for a while and you survive, and the thing is now you've hit boardwalk a few times, so is everybody else, and now there's no more money in the bank. What happens now to the game? Game's over. Okay, you own it all. You you know, you've used up all the money. Uh, you own it all. Monopoly, yeah, you win. There you go. But you see, in this game, what they do is they just say, oh, all right. And somebody comes walking in the door with a whole bunch more Monopoly money and gives it to the banker and says, all right, here you go. I'll tell you what, set everybody up with another thousand bucks each. Okay, so, hey, now you can keep rolling. But you know what, folks? It's going to happen again. Because all those times you landed on those hotels, how lucky do you think you're going to be rolling by those? How many times do you think you're going to be able to go around the board without landing on boardwalk again with 50 million hotels on it? Not forever is the answer. Because I don't know how long, but I'll tell you what, not forever. And not that many turns around the board. 
Because all they've done here is they've just prolonged everything. Because injecting money into a, 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 a system that's broken, flawed, it's a Ponzi scheme. It'll never work. It's over. It's done. It's finished. But they don't want to fix it. They just keep injecting money into it. It's our society. It's the way it is. I don't feel good. I better go see a doctor. So you go see the doctor, and he says, Yeah, man, you don't look good. Must feel pretty bad, huh? Yeah, I do. What can you do for me? And he gets out his pen and his paper, and he scribbles some something, you know, nothing but maybe a two-year-old could read and a pharmacist. He rips it off and he sends you on your way. So you go over to the pharmacist and you get some drugs. These drugs cover up the symptoms. Now you feel a whole lot better. But are you really getting better? No, you're not getting better. You just feel better because your symptoms have been masked. That's what's going on here. Just this injecting in money and manipulating the markets isn't curing the, the the problem we have, and the problem we have is we don't manufacture anything in America. People can't keep buying houses and cars and consume, consume, consume when they don't produce anything. It just can't go on like that. And that's the problem that we have, that they are not addressing. And this problem goes into a whole lot of different areas. Immigration being one of them, obviously. Because if you're driving down the wages in a country, you're driving down the standard of living, which means people are going to consume less. But the system has fixed that. They've covered up the symptoms and given everybody credit cards. So now... Even though you're not making enough money to buy all the things you're buying them, you're buying them anyway. Because, well, I can afford $10 more a month. I can afford $20 more a month. Wow. It's all about, they're, they're not ever fixing the problem. We do not have a sustainable economy. That's the problem. We need to manufacture something in this country, and we need to start doing it pretty quick. But the only way we're going to be able to do that is we need to start taking care of business. The immigration problem has to be solved, and that's easy enough done. Enforce the law. Stop giving away all these high-tech visas and start putting Americans to work. Americans who have gotten upside down in debt to go to college to learn a skill so they can get these high-tech jobs that you're giving away to foreigners. Oh, we don't have enough trained Americans? For one thing, that's a lie. Yes, we do. We don't have enough Americans who will work for $12,000 less a year, is what the corporations are saying. Intel, Microsoft... Those high-tech companies, Raytheon, they're the ones that are benefiting from the high-tech visas. They're the ones that are saying, well, there's just not a, there's a shortage. 
there's a shortage. Well, golly, if there's a shortage, you know what? We can fix that shortage in four years. Start putting kids in college to learn whatever the skills are they need, whatever the skills are they're training them for in India to come here with an HB1 visa and work. Stop sending our manufacturing jobs overseas. And I don't care where they go. I don't care if they're going to Japan or China or Mexico or somewhere in South America. It doesn't really matter where they go. They got to stay here. You know, and if the existing corporations don't want to do that, then you know what? Kick them out of the country. Tell them they ain't selling to this market and Give out some money and some good, cheap, no-interest loans to people who will start manufacturing companies here in America. Americans who will put a business together, like the way it used to be. Why do you think communism is, you know, uh, spreading through... Mm-hmm, spreading through South America? You know, a lot of people have gripes about Venezuela because they're socialist and leaning communist, and they talk to, uh, meaning they talk to, uh, you know, uh, Chavez talks to uh, Castro. Why do you think people are leaning towards communism? Because they look at the United States and they go, wow, well, if that's free enterprise, well, we don't want any part of it. Because basically the system is now designed to make slaves of everyone. So nobody wants to do that, so they go the opposite way. We need to get back to the free enterprise, because what we've got going on here is not free enterprise. It's not free enterprise at all. This is corporatism. Plain and simple capitalistic corporatism. There is no private nothing, okay? Anyway, it sounds like we got a caller. I don't know, but do we? Do we have a caller? Yes, this is Earl in Oregon. Hello, Earl in Oregon. Well, we don't have private enterprise. We have public corporations. Because a corporation is a creation creation of the state, and that makes them public. Okay, that's right. That's what I'm saying, Earl. It, it, not only that, but um, oh, it, <clears throat> Earl's been standing next to the uh, uh, the cell phone too long too. You yeah. got a brain freeze too, huh? Yeah. Um, in uh, December 7th, 2007, this year, there was an article in the New York Times, page A21, and it says, we were selling $300,000 homes to people that could only afford $175,000 homes. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the question then becomes, well, then what is a $300,000 home really worth? Um, try... Half? Yeah. Do you think that they would really admit that it was only $150,000 homes that the people could afford? No, that would be like, you would make people really angry. So they, they upped it a little bit to 175000 because it sounded better. But you know what? The houses, if it if you look at the ads, and it says, we only want 299000 for our house. It's only worth $150,000, folks. That's all. Earl, there ain't a house out there unless you're talking a mansion that's worth $150,000 for one thing. Just like there's no car out there that's worth $20,000. 
You know, this is ridiculous. This is this is hyperinflation. Are you kidding me? What do you think, Earl? What would your let's just only go back great great grandfather? Okay. Say if you said, uh, I'm going to buy a house for only a hundred and fifty thousand bucks. What would he say? He would say, um, where did that million dollars come from that you can afford such a thing? Yeah, what, are you going to live in a mansion? <laughs> you yeah. know, or if you well, told him, you know, and, I'm going to get a car. At that point, and here's, here's the proof. I, just, I happened to buy because I wanted to pay a, a debt with lawful money. So I went to a coin shop that sells lawful money because the federal government is not honest enough to, to uh, issue lawful money in circulation, in regular circulation, to, um, the system they have. Well, now. that's for your own protection, Earl. Yeah, uh, that you know that's that's <laughs> what the men always say before they take you away. It's always, yeah. and, they, and they're always lying when they say that. Yeah. But, but anyway, a quarter cost three dollars. Right. Okay. A, a silver quarter, lawful money. Mm-hmm. Okay. Article one, section ten of the United States Constitution, kind of money. It, it costs three dollars. So that means that. Um, that three hundred thousand dollar house is really only worth twenty five thousand dollars in nineteen sixty four. Yeah, this is what I'm saying, Earl. This is what I'm saying. It's like we've got hyperinflation going on, and Americans are buying this bull story about we've got two percent inflation. That's insane. I, I mean, who you know? I do. Is, nobody has a memory or what? Anyway, Errol, we got to take a break. Stay on the line. We'll be okay. back in about three minutes, folks. So uh, we got Earl from Oregon just called in. You can call in, too. 1-800-433-1429. At least once Earl drops off, we, you can. But uh, that's the number. Write it down. If you didn't, get a pen, get a crayon, get something to write on, and I'll give it to you when we come back in three minutes. your family survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, and dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare, while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at Freeze Dry Guy at Lancet.com. That's Freeze Dry Guy at L A N S E T.com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Boys Radio. How do I love to listen to AVR? Let me count the ways. Listen online to your choice of seven streams by going to theamericanvoice.com. For those who don't have access to a computer, you can listen on your phone through our phone bridge Monday through Friday from 9 to 9 Pacific by calling 1-712-580-1100. Enter the code 97524-POUND. 
This is not toll-free, but if you have unlimited long-distance or cell minutes, it's great. Turn on your speakerphone so everyone can hear AVR or go about your daily routine while you listen online or on the phone. We're also on KU Band Satellite and on many FM stations, so look for us there, too. Go to theamericanvoice.com for more details. And while you're there, check out our news page for the latest alternative news. Something very disturbing is happening in presidential campaign 2008. ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, Fox, Rush Limbaugh, and Sean Hannity have joined forces to hide the only champion of the Constitution running for president, Congressman Ron Paul. Ron Paul's public service spans 30 years. He has never voted for a tax increase. He voted against going into the Iraq War. He wants to abolish the IRS, safeguard the Second Amendment, and ensure free speech on the Internet. Congressman Ron Paul. People have underestimated the number of people in this country that are interested in a freedom message. Just being free. Leading the cause for freedom. We have someone on our side now. out what the big TV networks, Rush and Hannity, have been hiding from you. Go to TakeBackAmerica2008.com. That's TakeBackAmerica2008.com. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. We're on satellite. We're on the Internet. We're on FMs. And we've got the phone bridge. So there's no excuse for you not listening, for you not telling your neighbors, your relatives, and whoever else you can get to listen to you to tune on in and hear what's on AVR. And I don't mean just me. There's a lot of great shows. Like Gianni Hayes was on, and she had a uh, she had that judge, uh, Napolitano from... Uh, I don't know if I said it right, but anyway, he's on, uh, gosh, he's all over Fox News. I mean, he's on, he's got a regular, he's a co-host on Fox News. So, you know, uh, Dan Howard had on Tom Tancredo. Uh, looks like Duncan Hunter might be coming on. We're trying to get Ron Paul on. You know, we get we get good names because we got a lot of reach, folks. And, uh, you know, they want to be heard, and they want to be heard by you. Because here, they get to say things. I guarantee you he can't say on Fox News. I guarantee you they can't say most places. Here they can. You know, like today. There was a great show on today. First thing in the morning. Well, second thing in the morning. The headlines did uh, the news hour. I thought was fantastic. I love uh, adversarial radio. Let's put it that way. I really do. I think having two people on the air that have opposing points of view and hammering it out, if you can keep them from talking over each other, is great radio. And that's what went on this morning. Uh, You know, I I think it's great. I I mean, getting, you know, we get all kinds of emails in there about how, uh, oh, you're a traitor, you're this, you're that. And, you know, it's, it's okay. You know, because you know why? People aren't used to it anymore. People aren't used to being able to hear other people's 
opinions. People aren't used to understanding that people have different ways of looking at things. It doesn't make them necessarily a traitor or an enemy, even though they oppose your way of thinking. They just don't, don't want to do it the way you're doing it. That's all. They think you're wrong about something. That's fine. Best thing to do is to talk about it. So the listeners, the other people, the undecided. Do you realize most people are undecided? Do you realize that 44% of the Republican voters in Iowa say they don't know who they're going to vote for? Okay, that's... <laughs> so look at the numbers. So what? You know what? Mitt Romney or who's leading or whatever. They got 40% or something. Yeah, well, guess what? There's 44% that don't know who they're going to vote for. They say Ron Paul's got 7 or 8, 9, 10, 12%, whatever it is. Well, if that if 40% decides, well, you know what? We're going to vote for him. Hey, guess what? He just got 50-something percent and everybody else is eating dust. And that's what's going on. They admit 44% of the Republican voters, they don't know what they're going to do. They don't know who they're going to vote for. They're undecided. And that's where most of America is. And the people that aren't undecided, who think they've made up their minds, most of them have made up their minds based on little or no information. They just heard that this is who they should you know, vote for. This is, they've heard this is the position they should have. Somebody they trust and like told them this is how they should think. So that's what they do, and they never go any further and learn anything else about it. And these are the people that have made up their mind. Boy, they're sure already. So that's why it's important to have these dialogues. And, and I don't mean dialogue to consensus. I don't mean a diaprax sort of uh, you know, dialogue. I mean dialogue as in a knockdown, drag-out, verbal bloodbath, but without talking over each other, you know? I tell you what I think, then I be quiet, and you tell me what you think, and I thought it was great. Anyway, we've got a caller on the line. we got Earl from Oregon, who is an FM listener, 100.7 WCPR, resuscitating the truth here in Southern Oregon. Earl, welcome back. Well, thank you. Um, you mentioned um, that they were manipulating the numbers, and here's how another way that, they, um, that the federal government manipulates it, the numbers. And the corporations, the major corporations are in on it. As the standard of living in America has gone down, have you noticed that the um, income and the um, performance of the corporations ha- has not gone down? Now, yeah. how can that be? Well, yeah, but Earl, you see, I said manipulated. They said coordinated their efforts. Okay, well, you know, they, they just, <laughs> no. they're fancy liars, yeah. and you tell it the way it is. This is how it can be. If, you, um, if the standard of living has gone down, that means people don't have as much money to afford the things that they used to have. But yet the corporations are doing just as well, or actually better than ever, because the Dow Jones is at, at near an all-time high, mm-hmm. within 10%. So how can that be? Because they've imported an invasion of consumers that are that are able to buy their goods, and that's why the corporations are in on it. Because the CEOs, as long as the sales are high, they get their uh, multi-million-dollar bonuses on top of their pay. That's another part of why the invasion from Mexico is occurring. Besides the treason in the federal government. Yeah, well, the treason in the federal government goes 
far beyond immigration, but that's certainly part of it, don't you think? No, it, it is. No, that's just a small portion because, it, it, see, the people in the federal government, the advisors, the bureaucrats, the politicians that have been there a long time, they want to turn America socialist. They said, yeah, socialism didn't work too well in the Union of Soviet Socialist Republic or the National Socialist Workers' Party, the Nazis, but we think we can make socialism work here in America. And that's why they come up with these new laws and new regulations to slowly change the government and anybody that, that has attached themselves uh, getting some benefit from the government, including the, the cities, the counties, the states, and people on federal programs. And you start having to change your behavior to meet their regulations, and then slowly you become a socialist. And you start thinking like a socialist. Then you start demanding other people think like you do. And that's how it works. And that's how what has happened in America. That sounds, that sounds like brainwashing to me, Earl. Well, you know, you can call it brainwashing, or you can call it... Public change, school? Uh, change agents, because, you know, that actually I found a book from the 1950s now. That's how far back I found the term change agent. It was real popular in the 60s mm -hmm. and 70s. That's how they were going to change America from being a, the land of the free to the land of the socialists, was through change agents to change, slowly change the laws and customs of the people to become socialist. Yeah, but how do you change the laws and customs but to start educating people very young? That's true. Because and you know what? Once I get to be 21 years old and I'm out with a job and some banker comes to me and starts going, hey, tell you what I'll do. And I've been brought up right. Uh, I'm going to tell them, what, are you crazy? Well, I'm not going to do that. This is what's happened. is At one time, the people in America were Christian and then Pagans got into our government, and pagans started running the public schools, and then the Supreme Court made it illegal to teach Christianity in the public schools that one time did teach Christianity. So then they started slowly changing the curriculum and started teaching paganism and stopped teaching Christianity and the principles of Christianity, and that's how it's happened. Well, and that's the, and that's the truth, Earl, and I, I think of them more as antichrists because... Actually, they are. You know, I don't know, you know, if they're pagans or what they are, but they're certainly antichrist. And the thing is, uh, nature or nothing will allow a vacuum. That's so, true. you know, the government comes by and says, okay, look, you know, we got to be fair. We got to be good thing. We're going to misinterpret the Constitution here. And we're going to say you, can, uh, you can't teach any kind of Christian principles anywhere in the public. That includes the schools. Well... If that was it, okay, if that was just it, okay, bottom line, that's it, well, that would create a vacuum, wouldn't it? Because it well, now, we can't now we can't teach any kind of values at school because, you know, it's all, it's, you know, if it's not Christian, it's something else, so we can't teach any values. So now what values are getting taught? Atheist, antichrist, pagans, whatever you want to call it, Satanism, it's all, now that's getting taught, but yet... Let me ask you a question, Earl. How come atheism is okay at the public school? Isn't that a religion? It is a religion. It, but the reason is, is they pretend like it's not a religion when it is a religion. And, and it's, it's actually the religion that the anti-Christians hide behind. Well, and, and the thing is, you know, I mean, 
you know, and they would say that Christians hide behind their religion. But the thing is, it doesn't matter what rhetoric we use. The fact of the matter is, atheism is every bit as much a religion as Muslim, uh, Christian, or any other religion. Or even Democrat or Republican. Boy, I'll tell you, you know, it, it certainly has become... Like, I would say more of a cult, but I guess that's kind of a religion, you know? It is a cult. It is a cult. But it, it, because it's a cult, it takes on the trappings of a religion, but it's not a religion. It just seems that way. Well, I mean, look at the, look at the parties and, and some of the people that are, say, let's just pick on the Republicans, okay? Because, you know, uh, the Democratic Party is so far off the edge, as far as I can tell, and the Republicans, I mean, they, somewhere along the line, I thought they were all right, you know. And then after, you know, actually Reagan uh, showed me different, because I'm not one of these Reagan Republicans. I don't think Reagan did a whole lot of good for America, honestly. I mean, he was a good-looking president. He was a good-sounding president. You know, he carried a big stick and put on a real good act, and I, I, I liked seeing him as president. But overall, I don't think he did a whole lot of good for America. Here, here's the problem that he had. Number one, he had the CIA as, as his vice president and his advisors. Um, you, know the, the, you know the attack to bureaucracy with the CIA. Well, sure. And, and so he was getting bad advice. Well, and, and they shot him. You know, I mean, it was kind of like, look, you're going to play things our way or else. And, and you know, there's a report where um, the doctor, the doctor who did the surgery on him, said that he was shot at um, point blank range and there was powder burns. And and, it, and by the way, it wasn't a 22. There may have been a 22 involved, but. Um, the report I read, it was the man sitting next to the seat behind, uh, next to him in the back of the, that limousine. Well, the thing, uh, Colonel Bogue writes 2 o'clock Monday through Friday Pacific time, uh, goes through this in some detail every once in a while, and uh, Ronald Reagan reported that he didn't feel that he was hurt at all until the Secret Service man fell on top of him. Then he felt a sharp pain. What they recovered out of him was what's called a plachette. It's like a sharp disc sort of thing. And uh, they are shot through uh, compressed air. And the thing is, see, Bogue Wrights knows about these things being in the areas of intelligence that he was in. Uh, he was aware that things like this existed. You know, so, uh, and then there's, you know, after that fact, Earl, which everybody... Well, everybody doesn't know, but the, it's documented that, I mean, what's his name? James Brady ends up at the hospital 20 minutes before Reagan? Really? They said they got lost on the way to the hospital? Yeah, look that up, Earl, because it's documented. Maybe they were waiting for him to um, die of blood loss. They were bringing him to, uh, what do you call it, that hospital where they bring dead As presidents? The, oh, the dead president's hospital, Bethesda? Yeah. They were bringing him there, but it turns out he wasn't dying. So they had to turn around and go to the other hospital. Oh, yeah, I guess he 20 minutes. Go, I guess Reagan didn't go along with the plan, and he didn't die. Like yeah, 20 minutes. 20 minutes. 
James uh, Brady was there before Ronald Reagan, the President of the United States. So where were you all for 20 minutes? They said they got lost. Are you kidding me? Lost? The yeah, President well, of the United States isn't going to get a driver that knows his way around? Well, that's because they were... They thought he was going to die of blood loss, and that's why they were driving around waiting for that blood to come out, and it didn't. You know, so, thing is, they missed. They got the plachette in him, but it was like, uh, you know, half an inch away from where it was supposed to be. And uh, he would have been dead if it would have, uh, you know, hit its mark, but it didn't. So, you know, uh, there was an attempted assassination there, and it wasn't by some... uh, some warp kid who liked wanted to impress Jody Foster by killing the president. You know that that's the most insane story I've ever heard in my life. Other than the Lee Harvey Oswald magic bullet, I want to be a Russian, uh, but so I think I'll kill the president thing. Uh, well, well, you know, I I know that um, uh, Hinckley's parents asked permission to take him out of the hospital he was in, and you know. I don't remember whether he was able to or whether they were able to take the so-called assassin out of the hospital for a day. But it seems to me that I kind of remember that. I think he was. Yeah, and it's like, you know, something's going on that's not right, and um, I don't know what it is, and, and we won't know until Jesus comes back and a lot of things get revealed, and maybe that'll be one of the, the mysteries. But here, here's one thing before I go. Ron Paul has written at least four books, regular books, paper books, you know, really published by a publishing house type books. Right. And um, um, I think four of them are on the Internet, and you can download them as PDFs. One of them is called The Case for Gold. And it, Congress had an investigation on trying to bring gold and silver back, lawful money, but the majority overruled the minority. And so it didn't happen. But Ron Paul, he was a congressman, and him and another congressman um, were in the minority, and they wrote a minority report of why gold and silver should be lawful money and issued in the United States, re, uh, to begin reissued in the United States. So you can find that book in PDF form, or you can find it on uh, Amazon um, used. Um, or you can just download it and read it for yourself, whichever one you want. But he's written four books, regular, real books. And, um, you know, people should get informed as to really... And these are based in history and in law. So it makes a really good informative reading. So when you're talking to somebody, you will wow them, amaze them, and help them um, help bring them to the truth of what really how America should be. Absolutely. You know, but... At this point in time, I mean, how many, uh, let's see, what's it estimated? $70 trillion in debt is what the United States government actually is. Not nine, but $70 trillion in debt. Uh, I don't know how, honestly, they could rectify this with gold and silver. I've heard different theories about creating a competing currency, you know, comp- uh, create a gold-backed or a gold and silver backed even currency to compete directly with the Federal Reserve notes and uh you know phase it in that way uh perhaps they could do that but i i just don't know what you're going to what do you do with the uh you know 
Actually, you know what? I do know what to do with the trillion dollar, uh, seventy trillion dollar debt. Make a coin for seventy trillion bucks. Bring it on over to the Federal Reserve and give it to them and say, enjoy this on your way out of town, because uh, you're, you know, actually, you know what? Take this to the prison with you because that's where you're all going. Well, you, this is how it. This is how it should happen. And Dr. Eugene Schroeder has a plan. It's a ten-year plan on how to return America to constitutional government. One of the things is is um, it needs to start having a 10-year um, um, increasing amount of tariffs on goods imported into America. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, since we're operating unconstitutionally, um, give tax credits and, and cha- change the tax laws so the corporations build here in America, even if they have to back the loans, just so that the factories are built here in America. That'll put a lot of people to work. Building the machinery, only made in American machinery, we put in those factories, and then staffing those people will put so many people back to work. Well, you know what, Earl? The thing is, I don't want to be in a country where, you know, i got to tell people, look, you can only use American-made stuff. The bottom line, that's what tariffs do. Well, See, because right, businessmen are going right. to do business. But here, here's the thing. Tar- tariffs is to protect the jobs here in America. That's right, because the thing is, if it costs me 100 bucks to make this widget, Okay, I gotta sell it for a hundred bucks to make a profit and pay for everything, and that's what I gotta have. I gotta have a hundred bucks. Well, here comes the Chinese with their slave labor, and they go, "Hey, you know what? After shipping and making it and all this good stuff, I can sell it for sixty bucks." Oh, okay. Well, that's fine. You sell it for sixty bucks, and I'll slap a forty-dollar tariff on it. Now it's a hundred bucks on the market. See, right. now it's head to head, and I do believe Americans would buy. American-made goods, if they're the same price as somebody else's goods. That's right. You know, and that's the way it ought to be. I don't think you ought to force people. I mean, hey, if somebody no, wants to not, buy Chinese things... It's just, it's just using the tax for that 10 years. The tax laws were used to encourage the corporations to build the factories overseas. You can use the same tax laws to encourage them to buy American. Oh, for, those, but... for those 10 years... So that the factories get built in America, get all the regulations now, and laws get changed back to where mm-hmm. we we have liberty again. Now I want to explain something to people out there, and and I don't think they get it a lot of the times when people talk about the WTO, which is the World Trade Organization, which the United States is a member of, that was created by GATT. Okay, and then there's NAFTA, which is uh, you know Canada, Mexico, and the United States deal. But the thing about it is people talk about sovereignty, sovereignty, sovereignty. Well, I'll tell you where in this scenario that um, we're just talking about here comes into play. It comes into play because the minute you go to do that, Earl, the WTO is going to say, hey, wait a minute, you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to put tariffs. You're not that's protectionism. You're not allowed. That's not fair trade. You are going to be punished now by the World Trade Organization. You see, that's where the sovereignty is taken away right now because it takes away the power of Congress and the United States government to protect the American people, to do what's best and in the interest of the United States. So obviously we need to get out of NAFTA That's and, right. and get out of the, the WTO. The legal that is abrogate the treaty. Okay. And, and, and there's a process to do that. 
that's well, what we need to do. Well, I mean, they've they've <laughs> they've just decided with a lot of different treaties. Almost, oh well, actually, it's every treaty the United States has ever signed with any other country. Uh, at somewhere in the long the line, the United States has said, you know what, we don't want to do this anymore. The salt treaties, you know, all all of them, we don't want to do this, so we're just not gonna. You know, and the United States always had the military to back up that decision, that act of sovereignty, to say, you know what, deal's off. I know we made a deal, but you know what, I've decided it's not my best interest anymore. So forget it. And we've had the military to back it up. And this is why the UN wants to have their own military, to enforce those sort of things, so, you know, to basically take away countries' sovereignty. Very dangerous time. I agree, and this is how they, they want to get, have the wealth to back up that military, and this is how that the the uh, Treaty of the Seas, mm-hmm. um, it, I don't know if you've heard about yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. What that, what that is about is on the seafloor is a multi-million square mile band of magne- manganese nodules that have more than just mineral manganese, and it has all the other minerals that are in the ocean in those nodules, and they're potato-sized nodules, and it's a multi-square-million miles across the Pacific Ocean of these minerals, and minerals is wealth. Absolutely. That's right, folks. Minerals are wealth. They're the basic building blocks of wealth because everything that's a useful machine is is made out of a mineral, and that will give them the wealth that they want to have the military to enforce their anti-Christian society that they want, because they hate Christians, they hate Jesus, they want to kill Jesus when he comes back, and they want to kill all the Christians on earth, because they are backed by Lucifer. That's who they're doing the bidding of, that's who they work for, that's That's who they worship. That's true, I, I can't argue with you, Earl. And you can find that, especially for your friends and family that are Masons, Look on page 321 of Morals and Dogma and compare that to page 741 of Morals and Dogma. That's the Bible for the Masons, and it says that on page 321 that they seek the light. And on page 741 it says Lucifer is the light. Okay, well there it is. That's a tie-in. Earl, look at the clock. we got to go. Okay. Thanks for calling in, and you keep listening. All right, that's Earl from Oregon, and we do appreciate Earl listening and calling in, folks. It's time to go, though. It's uh, 9 o'clock. It just flipped over. i got to run the music. And coming up next is the uh, show from earlier, and then uh, American Disquisition with Drew Malone Reigns, and then Bo Greitz, and then the overnight schedule. You can hear Gianni Hayes uh, interview uh, the Judge uh, Napolitano from, again and Amy Worthington and a whole bunch more stuff all night long, folks. Thanks for listening. It we'll see you again tomorrow. That I when I first believed you Now I cannot
Bank Report. Vitamin E prevents internal blood clots, but not all vitamin E is equal. Would you like to get a vitamin E that makes blood flow more smoothly than Plavix, but with no harmful side effects? For Spectrum Natural Unesterified, vitamin E complex has been called WD-40 for your blood. It actually lubricates the blood while it dissolves plaque. It prevents platelet aggregation and internal clotting. It neutralizes smoke, fumes, waste, and other harmful free radicals. Doctors report relief from angina, painful leg cramps, strokes, fibrocystic breast tumors, circulation problems, and much more. Get one bottle for $35 postpaid, two bottles for only $60 postpaid. Restore this vital nutrient removed from your food supply through food processing. Read more at 4spectrum.us, spelled number 4spectrum.us. Call 800-581-8906. That's 800-581-8906. Order today. Can your family survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, and dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare, while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at freezedryguy at landset.com. That's freezedryguy at l-a-n-s-e-t.com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Boys Radio. To see the captain, strangers I could find, laid my proposition down, laid it on the line. It is the Frank Report. It's still December 13th. That means it's still, what is it still? Thursday. It's still Thursday here. It's Thursday. Ah, there we go. I just pulled up your fader there so everybody could hear you. Uh, It is Thursday, and uh, it is the evening show. We are live, and uh, it's about 8.05 in the uh, evening out here on the Pacific Time Coast. If that's when it is where you are, we are, in fact, live. And Thursdays being Thursdays, you heard my co-host, Mike from Chattanooga. Yes. How you doing tonight, Frank? Oh, pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. You know, one of the things is, me and you, it doesn't really pay for us to talk through the week because there's so much good information for us to talk about, though. But it's like, 
the conversation never ends. It could go on for hours. Well, yeah, and you don't want to dry it up. There you go. You, you know? want it nice and new for the uh, and, yeah, yeah, the fresh kind of effect to it, you know? Because, I mean, there's a lot of good things happening, and then there's a lot of this just keeping on, keeping on of uh, if you're going against the Mark of the Beast system, boy, they, they're coming after you. Yeah, yeah, they are. You know, Mike, uh, just before the show here, we were talking, and uh, we were talking about uh, I had told you that Melissa had told me from the newspaper that uh, your, your local uh, fire, fire department. Yeah, your local fire departments are being used by the Homeland Security to spy on you. Yep. I now know. that doesn't seem like a big deal. At you know, it's like yeah, well, you know, firemen. Okay, they ought to keep their eyes open and stuff. But the bottom line is this: here's the danger, folks. If that was all, you know, they come to your house on fire, you call them, they look around, you know, okay. The thing is, see, firemen don't need a warrant. If a fireman comes and knocks on your door and says, Hi, I'm from the local fire department, here's my ID, and you determine that it's valid and he's a real fireman, and he goes up, I'm here to do a safety inspection on your house. Now, if you've got a business, obviously you've got no choice. Because it's a public place, and uh, you know, doesn't matter anyway. Because you, you know, if you're you're open to the public for crying out loud, if you're doing something crazy, then uh, you know you're going to get caught. But the thing is, if they do that, what are you going to say, Mike? I mean, here's a fireman you have determined, okay, that you know, yeah, okay, this is a real fireman. What are you going to do? All right, what, what is he? What are you going to tell him when he tells you? I'm here to do a safety inspection. I, you know what? I'm probably going to say, okay, I, I welcome you to come here and check and make sure that my house is safe because I feel like I can trust him because he's here locally, and I feel like he's here and up and up. <laughs> okay? You are, huh? That, yes, I do. But you know what? That's subject to change really fast, isn't it? Yeah, and, and you might not even know when it changes. That's right, that's es- right. Especially when, you know, now, here's the thing, Mike, and, and I don't know if you're telling me the truth or if you're just saying this as your normal American would say, because you normal Americans out there, I know you're thinking, I ain't got nothing to hide. That's what the normal American's going to say. You know, you know and, I, that. and I don't want to know, you know, hey, I want to know if my house is going to burn down. Now, look, folks, for one thing, let's go through those two perceptions just real carefully. <laughs> for one thing, what makes you think that fireman is going to be able to just look around your house and see that you're in danger of burning your house down better than you are? Are you a complete moron? Don't you know what goes on fire and what doesn't go on fire yet? I mean, don't you know your house better than somebody nosing around for, what, five or ten minutes in your house? Come on, use your head. You know best, you know, and he ain't going to be, what, is he going to tear down your drywall and check the wiring in your house to make sure it's okay? In this modern world, we're taught that we have these advanced thinking people, you know, that specialize in different I'm subjects. I'm a fireman. Folks, you know what, if you've, if you've got a, a volunteer fire department around, go join up and see how highly trained they really are. Yeah, they're not very trained at all, are they? No, the, now there's one guy that I, I was very impressed in the area that he was trained, and that wasn't Homeland Security surveillance. It was fire science, and, and he was a fire inspector. And the thing is, what had happened up here one day is 
one of these dump trucks came up our, our, our road, which is really rocky and rough, and what had happened was he started a brush fire, but nobody knew that's what started it, right? And what had happened was some of the soot in the uh, exhaust pipe had been shaken loose, popped down into the, uh, you know, into the, you know, closer down to the engine, heated up, and got blown out the top into the dry grass, started well, fire, right? I never would have dreamed that. No, and and the thing is, this guy figured that all out by and and the nice thing was, how do I know this was because we had a little confrontation with the local fire department up here. What had happened was, it was the afternoon. I was home. I see this smoke. I called my neighbor. I said, "Hey, you see that smoke?" "Yep." I said, "Okay, I'm going to put some shovels in my truck. I'll come pick you up." Call some people that you know. So within five minutes, I was down at his house picking him up with a few shovels in the back of my truck. We headed up the road, and w- there we were met by two other people, and uh, by the time we were done, like five other people had shown up. Thing is, we put the sucker out because we got to it quick. Okay, yeah. we got to it Y'all fast. were on your toes is what it was. Well, we were lucky we were here and we saw it, yep, you know. Yep, but yep. thing is, we, we jumped on it, and we got it out. Mm-hmm. All right, and and somebody rightfully had called the fire department too because it could have went the other way. I mean, you know, well, maybe mm-hmm. we would have held it back but not got it out, and then they could have finished it off. But the thing is, we had it out. Okay, we got it out, and we had just gotten it out, and we're standing out there in this partially burnt field, and it was heading towards the woods, and we we stopped it right by throwing dirt on it from the shovels and just doing that. You know what they would do. Now, they show up in their full regalia of gear, rubber suits, rubber boots, big, you know, all made up to fight fires, right? Yep. Fires out, right? So they show up, and they're like, all right, look, you got to get out of there. Now get on out of there and stop, you know, you're going to be messing up the, uh, the fire scene. Is that what they were saying? Yeah, that was the first thing out of their mouth, and I stood there. Now, we're, we're dirty, we're hot. You know, where our faces are black. We've been in the smoke and the fire, right? This was for real. Okay. I'm standing there, and now he's put me in a bad mood. See, I was in a good mood. Yeah. Because the whole place didn't burn down. We we actually got on it, got it done. Now he'd put me in a bad mood with this bossing me around the minute they show up, right? And so I just put my shovel, and I and I and I just leaned on my shovel. And he looked at me again and told me, hey, you got to get out of there, blah, blah, blah. And I, I walked over to him, and we were going to have a confrontation. Because my first thing out of my mouth was, who do you think you're talking to? And I am cleaned that up for radio. Right, but we, I, I get your point, though. Who do you think you're talking to? And right. I started telling him, you know what, where have you been? You didn't put this fire out. You ain't done nothing. Get back in your truck with your fancy little gear and go take a drive or something. You're worthless. And uh, at that time, up walks this other guy who's not all dressed up, and obviously he drove up in a pickup. I didn't know him. Nobody did. And he turned out to be the fire inspector. So he diffused the situation, you know, by saying, you know, basically to them, shut up. He told all of us we did a great job, and, you know, it's just that they don't, you know, he's going to try to figure out how this started. And, you know, he doesn't need dirt kicked around and all that stuff. So, uh, all right. you know, okay. which all made sense. Yeah. I so, wasn't aware of none of that before you told me, though. Well, neither were we. Okay. And uh, 
I don't know how those highly trained firemen would uh, tiptoe around in the middle of a fire putting it out, you know, yeah, without right. kicking up any dirt. But hey, you know, that's their thing. But yeah. the deal is, so everything gets diffused, and they do get back in their trucks and go away because there was nothing left for them to do. And the fire inspector. Well, I guess they were sad and blue on that. Yeah, well, they didn't like somebody pointing it out. That's for sure. But I the bet. Thing is. And, and by the way... You took the wind out of their Well, sails. and by the way, it wasn't just me either, you know. Nobody liked their attitude, and I had the whole community behind me. See, those firemen had a problem if they were going to start any sort of confrontation there. Yeah, they could only go so far. Well, they could go as far as they like. They were outnumbered, and we were kind of upset at their attitude at the time. Yeah. You know, so yeah. the thing that's... is... And then, you know, that's the thing, folks. They went away. Now, he stayed... And everybody else went home, and I kind of hung out there, and I said, now how are you going to figure out how this happened? And he told me, yada, yada, yada. He says, I'm going to come back tomorrow. He says, because, uh, you know, I can't do it right now. There's things I got, you know, whatever it was. And he said, I'm going to be here in the morning, though. He says, because tomorrow night it's supposed to rain, so i got to be here tomorrow morning. I said, well, can I come up and, you know, see what you do? Because this sounds interesting. He says, yeah. And I told him where I lived, and he says, okay, I'll, I'll I'll blow the horn. And he says it'll be about, you know, 8 o'clock. Sure enough, about 8 o'clock he blew the horn. I got in my truck. I drove up there. And, you know, he went through the whole thing and showed me. He goes, now look at this blade, this burp stalk of grass. And I said, okay. He says, do you see how it's burnt on one side but not the other? And I said, well, now I do. That You pointed it out, but, I, you know, I hadn't noticed that. He goes, well, that means the fire was on coming from this side. He says, so the point of origin is that way. I said, wow. And he just did that until he narrowed it down, and you could actually see the point of origin. By the, uh-huh. You know, it was really cool right, technology. Right. I'm probably boring a lot of people, but it was really cool to see, you know. Yeah, it'd be really easy to see on trees. Yeah, but, I mean, this guy's using little burnt stalks of grass. Yeah, that'd be and, and not only that, and rocks. Yeah, the way the smoke went out. You know, so it, it was really cool. So, yep. you know, there are highly trained, but you know what, folks? My point here is as highly trained and observational as that guy was on fire science, that doesn't make him qualified to come in your house and say, oh, okay, gee, uh... Golly, is that a uh, uh, 16-gauge extension cord with 50 things plugged into it? Golly, uh, that's probably not a wise thing. And you know what, folks? If you don't already know that, you got no business living around electricity. (laughs) Well, I know. know, It's not much of a ding bad. It's only a matter of time anyway. Before you kill yourself somehow. There's a lot of that goes on around here with trailers, apparently, mm -hmm. because people, you know, they've got a limited amount of plug-ins, right, you know, and uh, amperage in the box. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, people love to use those little, you know, $1 extension cords and plug four or five things into one thing, not thinking it'll get hot. You know, a breaker... It's cheap. And and regular solid wire is cheap. All this stuff is cheap. You'll spend more money on extension cords than you will doing it right. I know, but these people, apparently, they don't think about overloading. They don't think that's possible. They think that... Yeah, that won't happen to me. Yeah, or they're just not aware of it. They They don't know heat builds up in there. They think... All you have to do is just make a contact, and it works. Well, people are people don't understand electricity. They're just scared of it. 
You know, and that's the other thing. Fireman yep. comes and says, well, you know, I, I, we're here to make sure you don't burn your house down. Well, jeez, who wants to, you know, get in a house fire for crying out? Come in. Right. You right. know, yep. now the thing, first thing is, folks, they're no more qualified than you are. Anybody with half a brain knows not to plug too many things into your receptacles, okay? <laughs> you know, I mean, come on, get get sensible here. Yeah, yeah. You know, and if you don't know, go on the Internet, call somebody, you know. It, you'll find out. You don't need somebody snooping around your house who doesn't know anything any better than you do or should. Mm-hmm. You know, that, so. That's their, the way they're using this and playing it. To get a step in the now, door. Yeah. Now the other thing is, you got nothing to hide. Well, you know what? You might not be a criminal, okay? So you may not figure, well, I, you know, I'm not a criminal. I got nothing to hide. You look around your house, it's like, well, I ain't got any drugs laying out, no illegal guns, uh, you know, no bomb making stuff. You know, what the heck could I? You know, hey, I'm fine. You right? ain't got any Sudafed laying around. Right. Oh, you know that they, oh, that, wait that a they get mad if if they see a little bit too much of that? Yeah. Well, here in Oregon, you want to buy Sudafed? Yeah. Uh, guess what? I think you have you to have, have to go, ID, you know, oh, yeah. like a license and fill out something here, I think. Well, you don't have to have a license. You have to have an ID. Okay, well, have, ID. Then. You, you have, have to, to go, have. And you have to go up to the counter, and you have to say, I need some Sudafed. And then they come back, and they unlock it out of the cabinet, and they give it to you. They check your ID, and they write it down. See, they write down your ID. They don't just, it's not like buying booze, where they just look at it and go, yeah, uh-huh, okay. Yeah, they, they, they go. keep it on a record That's of your right. ID. That's right. And you know why? Here in Oregon, because you could somehow use it and cut it in drugs to make methamphetamine. I, yep. That's the most amazing thing. That's what they say here, you know. So, you know, so instead now they're using things like, uh, you know, Ajax and, uh, you know, Drano and things like that to cut it with. So that's a lot better. (laughs) Well, anyway, but the thing is now some of the weird stuff is if you, if if with the minimal training they get from Homeland Security, like a sheet of paper saying, here's some suspicious things to look for. Uh-huh. Some of those suspicious things is a room with not much furniture in it. Oh. Because that makes it look like you're temporary. Do you still think maybe you got nothing to hide? Well, Mike already mentioned the Sudafed. What if you've got two packages of Sudafed? What if your whole family's sick and you just went and bought two Sudafeds? Or just packages that look like Sudafed. They're not. Right. What do you gonna what do you need all that Sudafed for? Yeah. Better keep a mental note of that. Yep. You know? Well, yep. what else? What else is suspicious, Mike? You know, something crazy. Yeah, like barrels sitting around or uh Oh, like I know. A, you know, like I save you know, plastic water bottles, you know? Oh boy. You know, like gallon jugs. Yeah, probably I use put them a, for different things. Yeah, like explosives. Well, I don't, but, you know, somebody <laughs> may see five of them around and all of a sudden go, wow, that's almost ten. Man, this guy's this guy yeah, is this the guy's, next Oklahoma City waiting to happen. Yeah, you know, this guy, look at that, you know, a bunch of gallon jugs here, these water jugs. Yeah, you know, what one he possibly... One, he's doing, you know, he's doing something. 
What could he possibly yeah, want to do with that? something there. You know, I don't see anybody else storing water or storing fluids. No, we got plenty of water and plenty of everything. Yeah, There's why no would he be doing it. that, you know? We yeah, better get you know, it. It can break their suspicion in many different ways. Well, sure, and how about... If the fireman comes in to make sure that, you know, you're, uh, he's doing a fire safety inspection and sees a prepaid cell phone card on your, uh, you know, coffee table. You, do you know, folks, that's on the list? Now, that shouldn't be on the list. Well, yeah, but you I see, mean, anybody can. Yeah, but, can, you know, no, no. If you were a real person, an honest person, a good American, you'd have one of those real expensive Cell phone programs where you know <laughs> okay. you're paying like forty bucks a month for it. Oh, okay. See, and if you don't, if you're not doing that, you know you're probably anti-American. Okay. You Did see you... how it works, folks? I mean, you think you've got nothing to hide, but yes, you certainly do have something to hide, and it's called your privacy. Yep, it can go back and slap you in the face. Because yeah, well, you know, I, I could I could explain all that stuff. Yeah, but why should you? Why should you have to explain why you have a prepaid cell phone card? Why you have two packages of Sudafed? Why you got anything in your house? All right, I'll, I'll give you an example. Now, I'm assuming, you know, you haven't committed any crime. You haven't done anything. The, the, the fireman came to your door under the pretext of saying that, you know, he's going to try to make your house safe for you. Okay, yeah, I know. Now, let me give you an example. You know, we were talking about Florida earlier today. Yeah. Are, are you familiar with the, those seven guys they call them the warehouse? Nope. Terrorist uh -uh. down in Florida, you know. Oh, wait. Those guys that were going to go to Chicago, they said, going to do something there? The Sears Tower, they were going to bomb it. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Turned out An to FBI be... agent oh. gave them $50,000 to do that. Well, these guys go, here's some nut wanting to give us $50,000 for something, and so we're going to take it, you know? And if he's some kind of crook or something, we'll turn him in or whatever, but we're smart enough to take $50,000. So they take it, and it's the FBI trying to entangle them, you know? Now, the thing is, you know what, you know... You know, that's entrapment. Don't, that's against don't. the law right there, just to walk up somebody out of the blue and then try to entrap them in something. Now, now here's the definition off the top of my head, because I used to think a lot of things were entrapment that, that should be, I think, that, that weren't, okay, by the law. The law is, entrapment is, if you entice somebody to do something illegal that they wouldn't normally do. Now, if I, if I just go along and, you know, say you come to me, say I'm an FBI guy, and you come to me and say, Hey, uh, you know, you want to help me uh, rob the bank? And I said, well, sure, Mike. What's your plan? And you tell me your plan, and I go, yeah, you betcha. I'll be there, you know. And then, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, and I get in the car with you, and we go off to the bank, right? Mm -hmm. And when you get to the bank, uh, you know, you think I'm on your side. I throw you down on the ground and arrest you. Now, that's not entrapment. No, no, because, see, I did the whole thing. Yeah, but I was there. I was your accomplice. Yeah. See, if I wouldn't have been an FBI guy, I'd be going to jail with you. Right, right. But you see, it's still not entrapment. Nope. Even though I didn't tell you at the beginning. You see, back in the day when I was young and dumb, I figured if somebody walked up to an FBI agent and said, hey, you want to help me rob a bank, that it was that FBI agent's duty to say, hey, wait a minute. 
I'm an FBI agent, and let me tell you something. You better not be robbing any banks because I'll shoot holes in you or take you to jail. So <laughs> you better straighten up and fly right, mister. Yep. That's what I figured they well, ought to they do. Well, said that 50 years ago. You know, that, that's yeah, what I would now they've given them some kind of trophy. They'd buy they them a car, them. apparently. Well, like, they'd give them something really nice if they can entrap somebody see, now. See, now it comes down to the thing where Mike goes, boy, you know, if I only had a car, I'd rob that bank. Uh, and then I say, well, you know what? I, I'd I, buy I, a car. I'll buy you a car, Mike. What do you think of that? Uh, yeah. And you can pay me. You, you tell you what, Mike. You can pay me back for the car after you rob the bank with the money. All that money you're going to get from the bank, you can pay me back for the car. I'll go get your car right now. Uh, yeah, see, that's what an FBI agent yeah, would do that's now. That's how they play it. Now you see, I do think that's entrapment. I still think that's entrapment. See, if I make it possible, you see, because you can have any kind of ideas you want. You can say, well, you know, gee, uh, pick a leader, pick any leader, and you say, you know, that son of a gun, I'd like to shoot him. Well, okay. You can have your opinion, but then, you know, it's the Secret Service's job, if that's some certain somebody would have been the president, right? Mm-hmm. It's their job to come and talk to you and say, what did you say? Well, yeah, I said that. I was all mad. Then they look at you and they go, well, yeah, okay, you got any guns? No, I don't have any guns, but, you know, if I did, yeah, but you don't. And uh, let's see, how far away do you live from Washington? Huh, are there any plans on the president coming anywhere near you? No. Hmm. Gee, what is really your opportunity to do what you threatened to do? And was it a credible threat? You see, that's the whole thing. No, a credible so, threat. Yes. Just spouting off and saying things is one thing. Credible threats is another. You've got to have the ability to carry it out. Yep. Well, you know, and now if Mike says, gee, you know, I'd rob that bank if I, if I only had a car, well, obviously... He ain't going to rob the bank because he doesn't have a car, and he figures he has to have a car to rob the bank. But if the FBI agent provides him the means to carry out something he wouldn't have normally been able to carry out, I think that's entrapment. I'm, I'm agreeing with you. But that's not how they well, see it, Mike. Uh, okay, the court today, because I think they went to court maybe today, but anyway, the judge threw the whole thing out. No, oh, okay. And so, so they're I'm kind of amazed about so it. So they're though, free? You know, they have kind of set people up and actually sent them off. For some reason, these guys, I guess, had some kind of track record that proved that they were just ordinary people, you know, and I guess they couldn't trick the neighbors. You know, like we were talking about earlier, right, you know, right, it's right. like I always suspected that dirty crook, you know. That yeah, kind of yeah. Yeah, you what know? we were talking about is <laughs> how funny it is that people are so brainwashed, you know, that – you know, if if the the SWAT team all dressed in black with masks and stuff came by and kicked Mike's door in and dragged him off in front of all his neighbors that have known him all his life, they'd have said, well, you know, he must have done something. You know, I mean, this is how people think. Instead of going, man, the government is completely out of out of control. You know, they are completely out of control. That is not the first thing out of people's minds. And I said, yeah, well, you know, it'd be one thing to see that happen to me on TV. They don't know me. You know, but, they're going to figure, well, you know, the, he probably broke some law or something, right? Yep. But they know you. <laughs> they, I, you know? I, I understand. But, you know, we see this on TV so much that people have just gotten conditioned to it. You know, like video games. You know, you just get conditioned to all this and this response. Well, I think there's something real wrong with that. But you know what? This is not the first time. You remember ever seeing those movies and reading them books about World War II, Nazi Germany, how children 
were turning in their parents, and parents were snitching on their neighbors, and everybody was snitching on everybody? Yep. See, they turned everybody against each other, too. Just like what we just now talked about. It's already here. Yeah, it's being done that again. Situation, I felt that, you know, even though they know me, the first thing out of their brain would be, man, I've known him all my life. I didn't think he was a criminal, but he must be because they're they taking him off. It's yeah. never that, that the criminals are the government. So they have got the media that controlled and filtered that everybody thinks the government is perfect. That's true. But listen to that. Can Uh-oh. you believe it? <laughs> You've done it again. <laughs> well, it won't be the first. Anyway. This is first. Three minutes. That's quick. Three minutes and we'll be back. It's going to seem like about 20 seconds. But and then we'll talk about what I've seen on 60 Minutes. Oh, boy. Oh, that's right. That's where we left off. Yeah. Yes, we will. Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be back in three minutes. SwissAmerica.com reports gold prices fell near $800 an ounce Thursday on profit-taking, lower oil, and a firmer dollar, despite spiking wholesale inflation. Gold closed in New York down $14.80 to $798.40 an ounce. In the 100 months since August of 1999, gold was higher at the end of the month only 56% of the time, which is why I recommend accumulating rather than trading gold, reports James Turk. More at SwissAmerica.com. $800 gold should be telling you many things. First, inflation is two to three times higher than reported. Second, the Fed will sacrifice the dollar to fight a recession. Third, gold prices, having already tripled since 2001, must nearly triple again to exceed their 1980 high. Swiss America has compressed 25 years into a 25-minute Gold 101 DVD kit that's free. Call 800-B-U-Y-C-O-I-N. That's 800-289-2646. Whether using your cell or cordless phone for business or staying in touch with family, your radiation exposure due to phone use is increasing. Use the Wave Shield developed for ultimate radiation protection. The Wave Shield blocks, reduces, and deflects up to 97% of the radiation from entering the soft tissue of your ear. The Wave Shield is proven and tested to block radiation without affecting reception. It makes a great father. Day gift. Order your Wave Shield today for only $25, which includes priority shipping with delivery confirmation. Send $25 today to Frank Steffen, that's S T E F F A N, at 6500 Shadow Glen Drive, Eagle Point, Oregon, 97524. That's Frank Steffen, 6500 Shadow Glen Drive, Eagle Point, Oregon, 97524. Something very disturbing is happening in presidential campaign 2008. ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, Fox, Rush Limbaugh, and Sean Hannity have joined forces to hide the only champion of the Constitution running for president, Congressman Ron Paul. Ron Paul's public service spans 30 years. He has never voted for a tax increase. He voted against going into the Iraq war. He wants to abolish the IRS, safeguard the Second Amendment, and ensure free speech on the Internet. Congressman Ron Paul. People have underestimated the number of people in this country that are interested in a freedom message. Just being free. Leading the cause for freedom. We have someone on our side now. 
2008.com. That's TakeBackAmerica2008.com. year 2007 about 8 34 in the evening time it is the nighttime edition of the frank report and it's thursday those calendar buffs out there that figured out that 12 13 07 is actually a thursday then you'll also know that mike from chattanooga is my co-host on thursdays and he is here today tonight right now waiting for mike Okay, y'all hear Mike's stuff in the background over there. Obviously, Mike has gone and got himself a latte or something, and uh, he'll be back in a bit, no doubt. Well, what we were talking about is uh, Homeland Security, and uh, basically what they're doing is revitalizing the old TIPS uh, program. Total information, whatever it was, or terrorism information, something... Whatever it was, it meant your meter reader, your fireman, your cop, anybody who interacts with the public was supposed to be keeping their eye out for suspicious activity and reporting it back to Homeland Security. Now, the thing about this is they've renamed it, repackaged it, and kept it a little quiet. So, you know, there's not a big uproar about it. Now, what... What they are doing is this. How many of you heard of fusion centers? Fusion centers? Ah, you're back, huh? Yeah. I told everybody you want to get a latte. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, Mike is back finally. Apparently three minutes is different on uh, Chattanooga you, time. You know, <laughs> my atomic clock, you know, it's like when you're talking on the radio... It goes real fast. <laughs> and then when you walk around, it goes even faster, I guess. Uh, well, tonight it did. But, <laughs> you know, the the Fusion Center. What is have, that? You, uh, have you heard of that? Melissa, no. Melissa was talking to me about this, and now she actually emailed me this whole article here. The Homeland Security and Justice Departments want state governors and other officials to name a single fusion center for every state to work directly with the federal government. So basically, the fusion center is to fuse the state together with the federal government. That's disturbing to me. I mean, we just keep, you know, see, the way we were originally, you know, if you go back 200 years ago, the state did its thing and the federal state away did it did suggestions is basically it, and it minded it, it did what it it did its job and the states did their job now it's it's like somebody else is telling the state and the federal what to do and how to do it well think about it i mean this this struggle's been going on since before the civil war 
I mean, that's what the Civil War was really about. It wasn't about slavery. Slavery was an issue, yes, but it was a small issue in the big picture that was the uh, It didn't war appear to be an issue because if it had been an issue, the 14th Amendment would have mentioned it. Well, yeah, but it was an issue with some people. It was a minor issue. It was like, yeah, well, we don't have slaves up north. But do you know what the big issue with the slavery was with most people? And, yeah, there were a few groups saying, you know, it's not right to keep people as pets, basically. You know, and, and, you know, I agree. But the main concern in the north was not human rights or, oh, gee, slavery's wrong. What they were saying was, Slavery or slavery is wrong because you see we have to pay our employees up north, and you people down there are getting away with slaves. Uh, uh-uh, this ain't fair commercially. <laughs> that was their yeah, gripe. But you know there wasn't that much of it that went on as a whole. No, just you know no, no. agriculture. Only and, the super elite rich is the only people that had slaves. Well, thank goodness, and thank goodness agriculture has changed a lot in America now, and that's why we don't have slave labor picking our fruit in right. our fields. Oh right. wait, wait a minute, we do, don't we? <laughs> Here's the darndest thing, you know, where I live out here near Chattanooga, uh, there's always been, I guess, the Mexicans have come up here during a certain season, whether to pick tomatoes or right migrant or, workers. Yeah, it's it's always been that that uh, you know as I'm aware of, say for the last hundred years. Mm-hmm. But the next town south of Chattanooga is called Dalton, Georgia, and it's the carpet capital of the world. And so they work in the carpet mills, and it's like you know for the last twenty or so plus years. We kept seeing these buses come in from Florida, I mean, excuse me, from uh, Mexico, and each time they would be connected to the Catholic Church, and we kept wondering why is the Catholic Church providing all of this, you know, food, clothing, and shelter way up here, and apparently they must get a cut on this. You know, they've got a deal worked out with, say, these... Wait a minute. The deal is simple. Most Mexicans are Catholics. The thing is, yep. a working Mexican is going to put a lot more money in the plate than a non-working Mexican in Mexico is going to give the Catholic Church. It's just another way for okay. the Vatican and, and to suck a, money out. All right, here's one more way to add to it. All right, the carpet company in Dalton probably slips them some money to bring those Mexicans up. Probably pays for the gas. Yeah, on the well, you know, everything says so the connection. Say, hey, bring me 50 that are good workers, you know, not deadbeats, but good workers, and, and here's a bonus to bring them up here. Well, sure. Now, we I think we've got a caller. Do we have a caller on the line? Uh, we, we do. It's Earl in Oregon. Okay, there Earl we go. in Oregon. Yeah. Hey, you were on the inf- it's Total Information Awareness. That was the name of the... Um, yeah, the but federal program, total information awareness. Where does the P come in? It was tips. Um, I guess total information awareness program. It, the okay. Tips is a different program. T- tips is the, at the neighborhood level. Total information awareness is at the federal spy level. Yeah, but where they, where they collect all the information. Okay, so I got it wrong. The uh, the thing is, we're talking local. Yeah. Oh, the, the local is uh, actually they named the. The Total Information Awareness Program, at the top, they renamed that and refunded it because uh, Congress um, wouldn't go along with it, and the American people said, no way. So they just renamed it and refunded it, and, and it's still operating, doing what they wanted it to do all along. 
Well, yeah, and this this last article here about firemen, you know, is just goes to show, and it's only uh, focusing on one group of people, not yep. to trust anymore. Yep. You know, when you're mentioning that, it reminds me of at the bank. You remember how you had to know your customer mm-hmm. at the bank? Well, didn't that start in '99? Yeah, way back. 1999 or something. Yeah, but this thing of fusion started way back when. <clears throat> um, the during revenue sharing and block grants because the federal government gives the states money, but what it was is bribe money. At first it's free money, and then the federal government changes the rules, so then the, cha- the state changes their rules, and then the state and the people on the benefits it change their behavior, and that's how they could centralize power and change people's behavior with free money. And people change their behavior. Then, when they change their behavior, they change their way of thinking. Yeah. Well, it's, and, and, it's and, as and you're so saying. It's a long-term plan. It's as you're saying how they basically uh, change the behavior of a whole country. How they do a centralized plan, step at a time, just slowly. That, that's right. And you know, for those for those of you that um, know of companies that have a lot of illegal aliens, you can do what I heard today. Somebody did. And it was very effective. He was working in a company, and he was tired of working there anyway. And uh, he... You're breaking up, Earl. Yeah, Earl, you must be on the move. I'm back. No, you're not back, Earl. Earl, you're going to have to try to call back in because your connection is not working anymore. All right. Well, Earl will well, probably it, call it, back. Yeah, in. That, really, that went bad pretty yeah. fast. Didn't it? You know, Earl brought up some a couple of things there that that comes to mind is, you know, how that the Federal Reserve can finance anything they actually want. Well, and, sure. They all they crank that printer up. Y- yes, and then call it some kind of feel good program. Okay, you know, uh, at Walmart, I run into a buddy of mine tonight that that he had brought this to my attention because his cousin or nephew or something is an accountant with Walmart, one of the bigger branches. And uh, he was saying how, I have to make this up so you'll understand what I'm saying, (laughs) is like the Federal Reserve gave them a grant to study something. And they do this all the time, you know. And so uh, they came in there, and one of the things they was wanting them to do is to have uh, their products of all kinds sitting on the shelf in a certain manner that if they ran down through there with one of the guns, you know, to scan, you know, the scanning guns, mm-hmm. that if they wanted to do it very fast, they could run down through there and just scan all the products really quick. Yeah. And, you know, so you got to put these products at a certain level, not be too high, not too low, all this, you know. All right, we figure that it'll take a million dollars to do this survey. We're going to give you $5 million to do it. You uh-huh. know, it's like... Don't you think that's a bribe? Yeah. To get an extra $4 million that no one else ever gets well, just yeah, but for doing a certain survey for yeah, them? Yeah, but, you know, scientists have been skewing results forever because their funding will dry up if they find results that the people that pay them don't want. It's like, you know, the, well, do you think, why do you think the tobacco companies, scientists, came out with the, you know, cigarettes don't do anything wrong. They're actually healthy. 
You know, how how do you how figure they, they came that? out with that? Well, they got paid to come out with that. Sure. You know? uh, yeah. Well, yeah. we got we got Earl back on the line, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm back. Anyway, what he did is, is he went into the break room during lunchtime, and he uh, hollered, immigration is right outside. And, you know, he said they lost 60 people that day. Um, and, did he get uh, fired for that? Um, no, he didn't. But, but, but you know, some, no, company, no. some companies might... But, you know, if you're tired of working there, it's a way to uh, to uh, open up some jobs in your neighborhood or in your town is uh, just go in there and say immigration's outside. And you know what? It worked. And those people did yeah. not come back. I, I would say that it would have really, really worked in, in Dalton, Georgia, and around Chattanooga a few years ago because they used to load them up, and they would show it on the local news of, like the sheriff going by and school buses, like, and you know, getting them a hundred at a time, going to places like you're talking about, uh-huh. and actually picking them up, you know, and sending them back. So they knew they used to do that. I don't think they do that nowadays. I think that if you're here, you're just stuck here, kind of thing. I don't think people are sent back like they were because I don't see the roundups on TV like we used to see. Used to see it, you know, pretty often enough to make you aware of it, and businesses aware of it, you know, locally. And now no, you don't see it. No, they they are in in here in uh, Faraway, Medford, Oregon. Um, the Immigration Customs Enforcement um, were they were driving around in the van, and they only did it for a couple weeks, and, and they're gone now. But they were driving around in the van, and they were looking for. You know how the Mexicans or the illegal aliens like to put their name on the back of the uh, pickup truck or the minivan or whatever they're driving? Yeah. And it would say what town they're from or their last name. Well, immigration was stopping them, and because I know somebody who's from Mexico, he's legal, <clears throat> and they stopped him, and they gave him the what for for 20 minutes, and then they finally let him go. But um, that's how they were uh, picking the, uh, the illegal aliens out. They were saying, oh, there's another one. It's like a big sign saying, come and stop me. That's Why true. do they do selective enforcement like this? Well, because they have to choose somebody, and that's how they were. Well, I guess it's when you're hunting for ducks and the ducks fly right in front of you, those are the ones you go for first. Okay, okay. So they, they, they want to show force every now and then. Yeah, and, for and political then, reasons. Yeah, maybe that's, that's what right. I'm thinking, something like that. Because it, it, there's a... Um, an election coming up, you know, they've had eight years to do it, and they haven't done anything because they don't, really don't want to. Now their hand is forced because they want to stay in power, and that's what it's really all about. I know every time they run for sheriff, say in Chattanooga, they, they bust a meth lab, okay? And they never do it until then. Uh, and I had a friend that used to work for the city of Chattanooga, and they would have these drug houses, and they were told, the chief of police would tell them, say, do not arrest anybody on this particular block right here, leave them alone. And it's like the reason why you don't is we have undercover agents in there and we really got a sting going on, and so you don't mess it up. So if you see drugs or anything on this block, you look the other way, okay? And and so that's the way it's done and played. And so different places, they get a free ticket to sell the drugs on the streets. It's like they're, you know, that they're paid off. You know, and that, but you think it, it's done in that manner? Oh, yeah. we're we're just undercovering it right now, watching. Well, you know, and in, in the uh, back in the old days, it was the drug dealers, all oh, the bootleggers or whatever, you know, paying off, actually giving the police money, you know, to 
keep their mouths shut, not do anything. These That's days, the Federal Reserve not, doing it. Yeah, these days it's not even that. It's policy. Do you see how corrupt things have gotten? I mean, it's yeah. one thing. It's one thing for you know uh, a cop on the beat taking a bribe to turn a you know a blind eye to a crime, mm-hmm. but it's a totally different thing when it's a policy of a sheriff's department or police force or whole county government to let. Okay, well we we yeah we know about this, but we're gonna let these things go until we need. You know, like a circus to say, oh, look, we busted a meth lab. Oh, look, we uh, we caught a murderer. Oh, look what I've done, you know. Oh, exactly, look. exactly. It's like they save, save those till that golden opportunity, and, and then you see it blitzed on the media. And do you know what the reason is? It's you've heard it in your own world. Don't perform at 100% because if you do, your boss will always expect that. Yeah. So perform at 50%. And if you need to impress the boss, perform at 100% one day, and he'll go, wow, that was great. You're really something. And then go yeah. back to 50%. Yeah, and the government runs things exactly the same way. Well, I heard a guy compare the government to the beekeepers. You know, the bees are in there working hard all the time making honey. And the beekeepers go in there and steal an X amount of it. And the bees, you know, go along with that, you know. And it's like government goes and steals from us an X amount as much as they can get away with is what they're constantly doing. Well, you know what? If those bees had a Second Amendment and a bunch of guns in there, I think I next time the beekeeper stuck his hand in it, it would blown <laughs> off, huh? Isn't that amazing to know how that beekeeper, he does. He, he knows just how much to get, and those little worker bees just keep working, you know, nonstop around the clock doing their thing, and I think the American fools are the same way. When they go to school, they're not trained how to sustain their self and be independent. You know, what we're trained to do is to hook into the mark of the beast system, really. Mike, you know, we had a, we had a, I think it was during Clinton's uh, reign of terror when, when uh, in Philadelphia they signed the, uh, 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 declaration of interdependence. See, they don't want us independent. They don't want anybody independent. Heck no. See, that's the thing. When you go to school, they train you on how to, you know, you want to apply for Social Security. You want to work somewhere and pay it in. So, you you know, that they promise that, you know, if we take it from a 1,000 people, 100 of you guys will get that Social Security back. Okay, let me ask you and Earl. How many of your family members have said, Aren't you worried about your retirement? I guess every one of them. Well, a couple. Yeah, I've had a couple. I mean, everybody kind of says that. Yeah. And, and then God, government comes running in here and says <laughs> we have the answer. That's what I'm saying. Is they they ran the statistics. They know that if they collect money from a thousand people, only a hundred. You know, I don't know the exact numbers, but probably only a hundred of that thousand will collect that money. Especially when they start poisoning us. In 1983, the head of the Social Security, um, the Commission on Fixing Social Security was on the radio in 1983. And that was my very first call into a talk show. And I asked him, I said, um, I'm only this age, and I was in my 20s back then. <clears throat> I think it was 25. And I said, will Social Security be around when I retire? And he said, don't count on it. Well, so that's part of the fear factor. They say that weekly, you know, on the news. 
you know, that make you think well, we've just got to have the right politician in there, you know, because it may not be. If they intended on it being there, it would be. If they don't intend on it, it's just like Hillary has already been picked for president. It's way ahead of time. Everything's decided. Yeah, it's well, not you know, just it, it, you're, you're talking about it not, whether it being there or not being there. William Proxmire said he was a senator from uh, one of the northern uh, Midwest states. He said, we will pay on Social Security even if it's not worth the paper that it's printed on. Oh, and it won't be. I kind of figure that. And that's where we're headed. Yeah, I kind of figure that because that keeps you you locked into the mark of the beast system because we have to have this Social Security and and this monopoly like that kind of system for people to buy into wanting to allow the government. The The government can never turn you away from these things. That's what they want. They want you to contribute to it and be part of it. Because you hope you're that 100 out of 1,000 that collects from it. Well, do you know what the definition of dependence is? Do you know what the definition is? Dependence. No. no. Learned helplessness. Well, that's a real good one. <laughs> that is. Because that's, you know, that is really what we've been trained to do. We haven't been trained like people were, you know, say, 75 years ago. You got a skill and everyone learned how to cook. You know, men and women knew how to do things. Everybody could work on a car. All guys could kind of work on a car, could kind of wire a house, could kind of build one. Now, you know, guys don't even know where the oil filter is. They barely know how to put gas again. In the I car. barely know where the motor's at. Have you looked at one of these new cars? It looks like a piece of plastic in Well, I know it is. It, 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 they, they got it looking that nice, don't they? Where Somewhere looks, under there, there's metal, yeah. I know. There has to be. <laughs> yeah, but... You know, people are not trained to be able to do anything. That's why they're just vegetables. <laughs> Gee. TV watching vegetables at that. I mean. What else would a vegetable do? You know, yeah. you, you know, like the IQ. I feel like that the IQ has went down on people from 50 years ago. I just don't see how it could have gone up. Oh, because we changed the test. That's what I think. <laughs> I think the test is changed all the time, and it makes it reflect looking like when you gather statistics that the IQs have went up and we're teaching these children at the public school system you know more and more and yeah they know more and more nonsense hey, you know like about some kind of game stati- or something statistics are are statistics like figures they can lie can't they that's what i was going to say okay so statistics and figures about the same which They're like an exit, or like these polls. You know, it's how you ask the question and then how you count it up afterwards. Because you know, no. you hear you hear all the time Hillary's no. in the lead, right? Yeah. You don't find nobody around here that you know. Most people don't even vote because they know it's a worthless system. You know. Well, I've never met anybody in my life that ever told me I really like Hillary Clinton. <laughs> no, you, you you know why Hillary's not doing well in the polls? Because everybody hates her. They want more money for her. Um, Campaign. Okay, because so they're playing the it now. Get sympathy and more money. That's all this about is to squeeze more money well, out of people. Now I disagree because I don't think that's all it's about. I think that's part of it. I think you're right, Earl, but I also think it's uh, to make. You got to put on the game. You got to show. Oh, we got ourselves a close race here. Oh, exactly. Obama's catching up. Exactly. Is, if you didn't play it real. like there was actually oh, right. a election, then people would say, "Well, wait a minute." 
you know, because everybody knows it's a fraud. But, but they keep the trickery going where you question it. Well, you know, maybe it's not 100% rigged. Well, nobody, everybody knows nobody likes Hillary. Or any of the others. Yeah. Nobody likes any of them. <laughs> well, you know, I've seen articles saying how disappointed the Here's the number one thing you hear every time the president's going, the lesser of two evils. Well, that, that means it's evil. Nobody likes any of them, but yeah, they're well, picking a lesser. You see, and this time with the Republican candidates and, you know, and the Democrats, everybody's having a hard time figuring out, well, which is the lesser? They all because seem too none darn of them evil. Tell what they stand for. They all seem too darn evil this time, and it's just like I can't find a lesser. They are evil. You know. Well, I know. If it weren't for Ron Paul, I would say they're all exactly the same. There's not even a penny. I tell you, if it wasn't for Ron Paul, I'd be buying a lot more ammunition. But uh, you know. Well, you know, as it is now, I know. Uh, you you know, know, he has already changed a few things. They just by running on this, because you hear others almost reflecting. We need to follow the Constitution. We need to to do a few things. Yeah. Well, if any of those other liars even mention that, somebody needs to stop them right there and say, "Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. first thing you need to do is read it." Right. But I, I think it's not really the candidates. I think it's the news media that's kind of bringing it up more. Them too. You know, you know, they don't even know, they've, they've never seen the papers written, though. Well, yeah. how about um, doing a pop quiz on those candidates saying, okay, we're going to give you, during this um, these um, debates, we're going to give you a pop quiz on uh, on the Constitution, and you tell us um, if it's a duty of Congress or a responsibility of the government to do this, that, or something else. And uh, put them on the line, make them read that thing, More. so that way... They they might have an answer. Yeah, you know, but they cheat. See, if you told them you were going to give them a test, they cheat. You know, I think, Earl, though, you know, and I think this should go through, and I think it should be a law. And, and you know, we did try to do it here in Oregon. You know that. It was on the thing. It lost. You know, the idiot people here in Oregon voted it down because they bought the lineup crap from the government saying, oh, it's going to cost way too much. But we had a referendum here in Oregon that said, you know what, any law you write, you got to put in that law, where in the Constitution of Oregon you got the right to do that. you got the obligation, you got the duty, well, and you got the thing to do that. worry about if something costs too much? Well, you know what I think? I think, you know? I think next time one of these idiots, one of these nitwits, Opens their mouth and says, "Well, you know, the president's first job is his his first duty is to protect the American people." I think somebody needs to say, "Really, where is that in the Constitution?" There you go. That's how you ask those questions. Yeah. See, Ron Paul has said that so much that it's starting to you know trickle down a little bit. People are starting to do this question, so he's already is an X amount of success. There's a you know a certain amount of success. Well, he has already. brought. He has brought. You know, he's made a contrast in this in this race to show people, wow, there is, wow, there's a so, true American. So here. that's what honesty looks like. Yeah, yeah, see, wow, they're, yeah, they're getting to see an A B comparison. Geez, so that's what telling the truth feels like. Whoa, look yeah, at and that. And having a track record of twenty years, you know. Yeah, of, and, and of everything you say on. just isn't BS that you just made up by you know the polls, and you can actually point to a thirty year record. He's actually got thirty years. He's got the last 20 in a row because he's a 10-term, you know, uh, congressman. Okay. But he took some time off. He was a congressman before that, and then he took some time off and came back. 
He, oh, he's okay. had 30 years in public service. I, I don't think he was a congressman that whole time, but, okay. you know, public okay. service. That's not bad, and being a doctor delivering well, four or 5,000 babies you know, along I, the way. I, I, absolutely. You know, if you're a doctor, you've got enough money, so he's not doing it for the money. Right, and and the thing is, he's obviously not doing it as a job. He's doing it as a public service, as a as a you know as a privilege to serve, like it used to be. Like it, I don't know if it ever was, but it was the concept. Sure didn't seem like it used to be that way. Kind of had the appearance of it. Well, once we got professional politicians, you know, things went downhill the same way as it did when we got professional preachers. <laughs> oh, and we got to leave it at that because time's up. Thanks for calling in, Thanks, Earl. Earl. And, uh, Mike, that's as right. always, thanks for being on. And it's uh, a fast hour, that's for sure. Yeah. It's been a yeah, fast I, two hours. I, after you get through there, i got a couple questions for you if you can come back. Okay, just stay on the line. All right. All right, folks, we got to go. We'll be back tomorrow. And it's Friday. Friday. Yep. You never know what's liable to happen on a Friday. Well, hope it's good. <laughs> Anyways, folks, you stay tuned. Uh, what's coming up next? Oh, the earlier show from uh, the Frank Drew. Report. No, no, no. Okay. Yes. And then, then yes. Drew, then Bo, and then, uh, I don't know, you'll just have That's to listen, folks. All-star lineup, sounds yep. like to me. It sure is. Folks, good night, and I'll see you tomorrow. When I first believed you How I cannot share your laughter Thanks for listening to the Frank Report. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now.
ladies and gentlemen. I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. I'm here with my co-host, Alfred Addis, to bring you our opinion and commentary on today's economic and political events for Wednesday, November 4th, 2015. Good afternoon, Al. Hello, Melody. Wendy Wilson will be joining us here for the first segment of the program today. But first, let's take a look at gold and silver. Still pressure on gold down 970 at 1108.50. Silver's down 20 at 1516. Platinum down 8 at 958. Palladium is also down 15 at 633. The USDX today, of course, is strong, 0.70, almost at 98. 9793 that's it's been a bowl lately and crude oil down took back yesterday's gain 141 at 4649 and the paper markets today were weak most of the day and uh, you're looking at the dow oh come on here little miss computer oh here we go here we go down 49 points at 17868 the nasdaq was down Three at 51.42. The S&P is down seven, 21.03. Ten-year yield 2.23 percent, up 0.01. Euro dropped, of course, almost a full point, 109. And um, pressure on Germany's uh, down about one percent, and just little changes everywhere else in the Asian and London markets. Well, I'd like to welcome Wendy Wilson to the program today. Good afternoon, Wendy. Melody, hello, Al. Hello, Wendy. I thought we. What are we going to learn about today? Well, I thought we'd talk about what our uh, nails can indicate uh, as far as probably a health problem. A lot of people just don't think about looking at their fingernails or toenails to let them know there could be a serious problem brewing. So forget the palm reading. You should uh, check your, your nails to see if you have any serious health problems. And just like your blood and your urine and your hair analysis can offer some clues into your health, so can your finger and toenails indicate that you may have some health issues. So nails are really skin cells, and they like to breathe. So ladies out there wearing a lot of nail polish uh, and the fake nails, actually that can suffocate a nail bed, especially, you know, down near the cuticle. And that can make your nails vulnerable to a fungus infection. So we're going to take a look at some of the health conditions and indications our nails can give us. Uh, So uh, as I read this, you're probably going to be checking out your fingernails. Um, According to medical science, there's about 30 different health conditions that can be spotted by looking at your fingernails. For instance, your nails could signal that you maybe have a heart, a kidney, or a cancer problem. So if you have pulmonary or heart conditions, such as emphysema, uh, it could show up in your nails. Uh, The problem is you could have tissue beneath your nails that can become thick and force the nail to club around the end of the finger, making it look bulbous. So um, actually, I had a family member back in the 70s that had fingernails that look like that, and that person did have emphysema. When the the nail... uh, you know, grows in clubs around the fingernail. They call that clubbing. So if you ever see that, that's what that is. So nails actually can develop uh, strange lines or dents in them, not due to trauma. 
so um, a good indicator of what's going on inside your body could be um, what's uh, known as pitting on your nails. This is where you get these little dent marks in your fingernails. Uh, you could have nutritional deficiencies according to science or even have some sort of um, low toxin poisoning going on. So if your nails display small surface dents not due to trauma, it could be a sign that you have some skin problems like maybe eczema, psoriasis, or even skin cancer. So the pitting of the nail can also be due to arthritis conditions. So now if you see parallel lines, which can appear white or black, this can indicate a serious health condition. White parallel lines, uh, it's known as um, uh, Merrick's lines and it's uh, likely because of a low protein in the blood system it really indicates a malnutrition issue and when that happens the liver get, can be affected and be in distress now dark lines can indicate skin cancer but this is weird it usually only shows up on one fingernail so usually the pinky so check that out if you got a dark line that's on your nail there so if the nails have any brown or red streaks it could indicate a number of conditions, including a heart valve infection. So nail lines or grooves going across the nail from left to right, uh, that's not from trauma. That could be a sign of extreme stress known as Buse lines. Have you ever seen that, Melanie, Al? I can't say that I have, no. I remember, well, when, we were I remember when we were kids, they told us something about little white huh? lines in our nails. Right. Right, right. Well, um, uh, you know, and another thing is, is if you get those little wavy lines that go horizontally across the nails, a lot of times that's people that are taking way too much synthetic supplements, okay, which are made from petrochemicals. So your nails will indicate there uh, that's what it is. Now, there are some different shapes and, and colors. Also, the nails, the fingernails can have different shapes to them, uh, shapes that go outside the normal are the ones you should be concerned about. So, for instance, if the nail develops a spoon shape, uh, which uh, they raise up on the sides and in the front, and the nail looks like a spoon instead of it curving nicely down, this is called oilovicia, and it's often a sign the person has lupus. So when the nails become discolored, it could also indicate a medical condition. Aside from trauma, yellow nails can actually indicate lung conditions like tuberculosis. Also, brown, if your nails look a little brownish, that could be associated with either a thyroid condition or pregnancy. And there's also a condition where the nail can be half white and half a darker color, and that indicates renal failure. So medicine thinks the impurities in the blood from the kidneys that are failing changes the pigment underneath the nail bed. Now, there are some drugs and, and foods and things that can affect the health of your nails and your overall health. Um, if you have red nails, not due to nail polish now, uh, this could indicate that you have too many fatty acids like cholesterol in your diet. You're consuming too much sugar, salt, and dairy. Um, and most often the liver is not functioning well if that happens, and you may have even some blocked arteries. The nails that turn purple, aside from, you know, you you know, hitting them with a hammer trauma, um, it could suggest the digestive system is off or you have a too much sugar and not enough fruits and vegetables in the diet. And there are some pharmaceutical drugs, like chemotherapy drugs, that can turn your nails purple 
as well as blood pressure medicines, medicines for headaches, and acetaminophens and cocaine can also turn your nails purple, like you're not getting enough oxygen. All right. Uh, there's also the detached nail situation. Uh, sometimes um, trauma, you know, if you hit your fingernail, it could loosen up the nail. But if it's not due to trauma and your nails are loose, it could be due to um, a circulation problem called Reynaud's phenomenon. It's kind of a unique circulation issue where only certain areas of the body seem to have blood flow disruption. And another reason for the loose nails is uh, you could have a prescription to a medication uh, that's causing it or you have an overactive thyroid. Okay, so the skin that supports the nail underneath the nail fold can become red and inflamed and this can lead to infection and irritation and also uh, some people have a problem with ingrown toenails. That's a pretty, pretty uh, significant issue. Um, and people go to the podiatrist for, for help with that. Um, anybody here on the radio today have ingrown nails? Not that I know about. No, I used to have them as a kid because I did a lot of ballet. <laughs> and uh, they're not, ha they're not uh, fun. Uh, the, the, no the nails grow in a curve right around the edges and dig into the skin. The skin can get inflamed, and you have to go and have those trimmed away. Now, there is a procedure now that podiatrists often recommend if you tend to get uh, recurring ingrown nails. Uh, they, it's a procedure where they... Um, they take and destroy part of the nail root, attempting to prevent it from growing in a curved position. Um, so they do that at the nail bed. However, this often leaves the nail bed vulnerable to a fungus infection. And if that happens, the nail will yellow and become thick and irregular at the nail tip. And as the infection moves forward down further into the nail, to the base of the nail, uh, the nail will raise up off of the toe and be only attached at the nail bed. And this makes the nail very tender and any pressure is painful. And if you try to trim the nail, what happens is the nail crumbles and breaks off. So um, if you don't correct the fungus condition, um, it takes about 12 months for a nail to grow fully out, but what happens is it falls off. And then another fungus-infected nail replaces it, but you got to correct that because eventually the nail will not grow back in. So, um, and of course, there's lots of drugs and surgeries and stuff that they offer now, but all of them for nail fungus have extreme risks. I, I encourage people to do their homework. For instance, uh, they have drugs, uh, surgery, and lasers in an attempt to correct any extensive nail fungus issue. Um, but the surgery is temporary, the lasers may not work, only in a small percentage of the cases, and the drugs can actually uh, harm your liver, and you have to do blood analysis every three months to check your liver enzymes. What I prefer to do is use some straight-up straight up garlic juice uh, because um, it's antifungal. Is super antifungal, and it may take a year to correct the problem, but it's you know non-toxic. It's inexpensive. There's no side effects. It's painless, and um, and, uh, and and it's and it's lasting. The correction is lasting. So what you do is get some garlic juice, and you would drip it so it goes underneath the nail, but then also put some on the top at the nail bed. Massage that in, and do that every night, and uh, and uh, do that until it corrects. What you notice is. The nail feels more secure. It's not as loose and as tender. 
and then the color improves, and then it starts to flatten out and look normal. So uh, straight-up garlic juice for nail fungus, folks. That's what I say. When I was a kid, and I can remember this back, might have been sixth grade, seventh grade at the latest, might have even been fifth grade, I don't recall. But a friend of mine looked at my nails, and he said, what, you don't have any moons. Oh. All right? Yeah. You know what I mean by moons? Yeah, yeah, yeah I do. Uh-huh. Well, why don't you go ahead and explain that and see if that's similar well, to what I was told back, back, you know, by a friend of mine back in you know, sixth grade yeah, or something. Yeah, at the, at, at the cuticle, at the nail bed, where the cuticle mm-hmm. is, there's usually a different pigment, pigment coloration. It's a lighter pink than what grows out from there to the end of the nail tip where your nail grows out and it may be white. So, uh, yeah, that's, it's, uh, some people don't have those. I've noticed that on people. I looked into it, I can remember, years ago, and it indicated, and he thought it was a positive thing. All right, everybody in his family had them, and he mm-hmm. thought it was a positive thing. And I looked into it at some point in my life, and the research I saw, maybe it was accurate, maybe it wasn't, indicated that it was evidence of a mineral deficiency, and magnesium is the mineral that I want to say, but that might not be what it was. It might have been some other mineral. And if you were more deficient in that mineral, you had bigger moons on your fingernails. And I've never had them to speak of. i got just barely a trace of them on my thumbs, but not on the other four fingers of each hand. never had them. So I was just curious if that was something you knew about or you'd heard about or whatever. Did we lose her? I don't know. Um, I'm still here and you're still here. Um, appears that <laughs> she didn't want to answer your question, Al. Well, I guess not. <laughs> she could have just said, "No, I don't want to answer that question." She didn't have to. It must be some sort of a technical problem, which means who's responsible? Frank, the producer. Uh, well, let's go one- ahead. That's Wendy Wilson from thepowerherbs.com. You can call Wendy for further information at 866-229-3663. Again, hey, Al, are you there? Yeah, we are now. Where'd you go, I'm, Wendy? I don't know where I went. I could hear you, but you couldn't hear me. I'm hmm. sorry. I, I, I heard you <laughs> talking about the moons and a mineral deficiency. Yeah, that's what I that's what I came to. I looked it up maybe when eighth grade or something like that. You know, I mean, it's fifty years ago or more. Yeah, more uh-huh. than that, close to sixty probably. Uh, looked it up, and I can remember that, according to what I read at the time, the moons were evidence of some sort of a mineral deficiency, and I don't recall which mineral. I thought in the back of my mind, it seems like maybe it was magnesium, and the, what I read was the bigger the moon, the more deficient the mineral you were. And wow. so far, I wasn't didn't have any moons. I was not deficient. It was good news for me, but long time <laughs> ago, and I don't know if it's good news. I don't know if it's accurate information. Um, well, that is just real interesting stuff. I think uh, you know our body tells us you know, a lot of things we should know if we just take a look at it and pay attention. You know, it is surprising. For example, you were talking about one of the one of the diseases that were indicated. Only a, only shows up in your pinky finger, in the navel, in the nail of your pinky finger. Well, it, most typically it's on the pinky, not always, but typically okay. it is, and that's that um, that's that parallel line that's a dark color, like black, 
It could indicate, you know, skin problem, could even be skin cancer. So if you've got any moles out there and you've been wondering about it and you check your nail and you've got a black line showing up on one, hey, I'd go check that out, you know. Pretty interesting. Do you think this is anything like, does this correspond at all, the idea of acupuncture? Now, I know you don't do acupuncture on the nails, but what I'm getting to is the idea behind acupuncture is there are places on your body where you poke a needle and it has an effect. You poke a needle in your arm and it has an effect on your liver or your spleen or whatever. Is this similar to that same concept? Well, I don't think it's 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 a pressure point. I think it's just a, a manifestation well, I know it's of not the uh, same thing, but it's still yeah. Strange. An indicator, connection. yeah. I think it, I think it connection. could be. Yeah, I think it could be like you know an indicator, almost like a pressure valve, and letting you know that there's something that needs adjusting. Uh, reflexology is similar to acupuncture. It's just you know pressure points on your feet because they say all your nerve endings from your organs end in your feet. So if you massage certain areas of your feet, you can then stimulate your organs and improve them. So um, anyway, uh, I just know a foot massage feels really good. <laughs> All right. Wendy, why don't you give us some contact information? Sure. Um, we specialize in immune boosting and organ cleansing, so flu season's here. So if you want to boost your immune system or cleanse away toxins to strengthen yourself, uh, that's what we do. Apothecary Herbs, the powerherbs.com is the website. Or give us a call. We'll send a free catalog at 866-229-3663. We did get a new shipment of catalogs in. 866-229-3663. Thank you, guys. Talk to you later. All right, Wendy. Thank you. That's Wendy Wilson from thepowerherbs.com. 866-229-3663. Melody and I will be back on Financial Survival in just a moment. Please stay tuned. obligations or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out when life is too much to handle use apothecary herbs emotional stress formula feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee you've waited long enough call apothecary herbs now toll free 866-229-3663 That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3Ws.thepowerherbs.com. Who 
Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. I'm Alfred Addis, here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival, and the program is brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver. For all your gold and silver coin needs, give Melody a call at 1-800-375-4188. What's next, Melody? Well, I just want to remind the listeners that, uh, you know, when we see prices of gold fall as we have, and we've certainly seen it drop in the past, you know, week and a half, significantly. When you buy the fractional pieces, what's nice about it is they don't adjust as quickly as your one-ounce coins do. Number one, it's because they're fractional, and so you have to have really large moves in gold in order to see any significant changes in the price of the fractional pieces. Uh, the AU $5 Liberty gold pieces are on their own. They're selling at $350. We have them available to you, AU $5 Liberty gold pieces. They're beautiful coins, small fractional pieces, $350, and we're going to include your shipping cost in that. So a uh, great little coin to be picked up. Pick, Peter Piper picked a pepper. <laughs> it's a great coin to, to pick up, to purchase, to add to your portfolio for any of your uh, fractional needs uh, that I think we'll uh, face in the very near future. So give us a call at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Make sure you visit our website, dgscoins.com, dgscoins.com. Got an article here from CNBC. Well, this is fairly lengthy. Let me go ahead and let's. I just want to recap uh, Kraft Heinz. They're going to be closing seven factories um, that will be downsizing, and they're going to shed 2,600 jobs. Those seven factories are located in the U.S. and Canada. Uh, this is a, a, a two year project, and um, they're going to be closing their manufacturing facilities in Fullerton and San 
Leandro, California, uh, Federalsburg in Maryland, St. Mary's, Ontario, Canada, Campbell, New York, Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania, and Madison, Wisconsin. And again, this is going to happen <clears throat> to the next uh, 12 to 24 months. They also have a meat processing plant in Davenport, Iowa, that they're looking to close and uh, move production, although they are building a plant that's several miles away. Um, so We're talking about Kraft Foods right now. No, there was a merger of Kraft Heinz, and this okay. is what happens when you have these big, you know, corporations that merge, and, uh, you know, jobs are going to be lost. They will be uh, cost-cutting, and Alcoa. Um, Senator Charles Schumer, he was outraged and, and disappointed because Alcoa is planning to shut down some smelting operations at its northern New York plants, putting about 500 people out of work, and he was not informed so he was very upset uh, that uh, Alcoa made the announcement. They actually made the announcement on Monday and that they're going to shut down two, sm two smelters. I want to say smelters, but smelters in Washington uh, State and one in Messina on the St. Lawrence River. So, uh, again, with the total, you're looking at about 800 layoffs, <clears throat> excuse me, about 500 uh, in Messina. And they're also going to lay off about 135 at a plant in Point Comfort, Texas. Um, they're curtailing money losing, um, smelting and refining capacity to ensure continued competitiveness was why they are closing these plants. We have mentioned a lot of huge layoffs from these larger companies. Caterpillar, there's a slew of them. Um, uh, banks, Deutsche Bank was going to lay off uh, thousands and thousands of people. Wait till these numbers begin to hit the reports. And uh, so it's going to be very interesting. So you're going to have the Fed wanting to raise rates, you know, on their great uh, 5% uh, uh, number on their unemployment. But yet here in the next year, you're going to see that number, I believe, increase unless you have more and more fall off. I had also wanted to mention about the European Central Bank. Um, they said that the bank's finances are smaller than first feared. And uh, uh, they announced this figure uh, as a result of an ECB review of Greece's four main banks following an agreement on, the, on their third bailout. Um, they need 14.4 billion euros in fresh money to get back on their feet. But what's interesting about this, as I mentioned it to you during the breakout, no one talks about that the people, customers of their four main banks are still have restrictions on withdrawals and transfers that, you know, people can't do their business because of this in Greece. So not a lot of discussions on how those people are still struggling to recover, but yet we all know that, uh, of course, the politicians and the bankers and, you know, all those that are involved, they all got their money. And, uh, but yet I don't even know if they people, all got their money, but they didn't well, get they all got what some. they wanted. They all got something. Yeah, they got something. But and I really don't care well. about them. I'm thinking about the people. Of course, you know, everybody can point a finger at who's to blame. <clears throat> but the people are just pushed, uh, shoved underneath the rug, brushed underneath the rug. And no one talks about how these banks are still in restrictions, that they're still 
uh, uh, continuing to uh, uh, keep withdrawals and transfers on limits. Why do you suppose they're still struggling? Well, what's your idea? Well, the idea is simple. They can't pay the debt. Simple. I know. That's it. They're bankrupt. That's the reality of this thing. The whole idea of what we've seen in the Greek drama throughout most of this past year has been to avoid the fundamental truth that Greece is broke. That's all. And they're trying to count. They're trying to maintain some sort of illusion that Greece is still solvent, and they're trying to get people to pretend to pay the bills, and they can't, and they can't get money out of their own banks. And the problem, you know, we've said this months ago. The solution to the problem is just say that's it. We're bankrupt. Can't pay. Zero it all out. We're going to go through. We're going to go through a difficult 12, 18 months, and we'll be back on our feet, probably like Iceland, within two years. As it is, they are going to go through a kind of purgatory, if not hell, while they struggle to do what they can't do. They don't, what can't be paid won't be paid. They don't have the money. That's it. And every bit of this is about trying to create the illusion that Greece is not bankrupt when, in fact, Greece is broke. It's bankrupt, doesn't have the money, can't pay, therefore it won't pay. And all the rest of this drama is just a fiction to avoid facing that truth. And that's exactly where we were at before they pushed through a two-year budget at midnight or 1 o'clock in the morning, 144 pages that you know no one read, Mm -hmm. and they just pushed it through. And we were at the same brink that Greece is at. They made the illusion. They created another illusion. uh, But that day of reckoning is coming where they won't be able to push it under their rug because we are a country that's bankrupt. We are a country that can't pay our bills. For a long time. Not just recently. Technically, we haven't paid our bills since at least our our international bills. We haven't paid them since Nixon closed the gold window and stopped redeeming foreign-held dollars with gold. We haven't paid any of our debts technically since 1971. This isn't a new phenomenon, but these economies, especially large and huge economies like our own, it's like a ship at sea. Once that thing gets moving, it has a lot of momentum. And even if you turn the engines off or you reverse the propellers or you turn to port or starboard, that thing doesn't turn on a dime. You've got to go miles before you can turn around and head in the other direction. There is a momentum that carries you along despite the reality maybe the engine room blew up. The ship is still moving forward, carried by momentum. That's basically what's happened in this economy over the last 40 years. The momentum has carried us forward, but we're reaching a point. You know, again, our government, we talked about this in the last few days, the government's, the evidence that the government is broke is the national debt. Why do we have a national debt? Because the government has to borrow to pay its bills. That's why. If we had the national debt, if it was temporary, if we had a bad situation, Hurricane Katrina hit, and said, oh, my gosh, we've got to raise extra money. We didn't anticipate this emergency. We've got to raise extra money. We've got to go into debt in order to help the people in Louisiana. Okay, you generate a deficit there for a year, maybe even two years, but within a relatively short period of time, you pay it off, and you get back to where you don't owe any money. We don't pay our debts off. Not in in total. We just keep on adding and adding and adding and adding. And this persistent adding is persistent evidence that we can't, or our government, can't pay its bills. 
And that is evidence that the government is technically bankrupt. All right? If you can't pay all your bills, what do you need to put you in involuntary bankruptcy? Three creditors have to show up and say, I want the money, and you say, I don't have it. Another one shows up, asks for the money, I don't have it. Another one shows up, three of them take you into court. The court will put you into an involuntary bankruptcy because you have three creditors you haven't been able to pay. Our government has been able to avoid that. We had we, the way situation, the way legally and politically, it hasn't been possible for three creditors to stand up and put the government into an involuntary bankruptcy, but technically that's where it is. And sooner or later, that's going to be recognized. And when it is recognized, the, the vulnerable point, as far as I'm able to understand right now, is the idea that the government can't pay its bills, and therefore, it must borrow more money. This was the significance of the increase the debt ceiling legislation that passed in the last week. All right? They have to be able to borrow more money. $18 trillion is not enough. We've got to go to $19, $20 trillion, wherever it has to be. They have to borrow more money to maintain the illusion. This is a wonderful situation unless you run out of lenders. If there are people just finally say, I think you're bankrupt and I'm not lending you any more money. When we hit that point, what's the government going to say? And we already have in the private sector, and that probably five years ago where they had an auction for U.S. Treasuries, and the government put them up, and nobody bid on them at full face value. And they began to realize, oh, my gosh, we're going to have to reduce the price of these bonds by, who knows, 20 30 40% before any of the private investors will enter a bid on them. And they didn't want to do that and establish that the bonds had lost 10 20 30% of their value. And rather than make that admission by allowing the, the auction to continue, they terminated the auction. And shortly after that, that's when the Federal Reserve started buying the U.S., being the principal buyer of U.S. bonds. Federal Reserve stepped in and said, we'll buy your phony baloney bonds. We believe in you. We don't think you're bankrupt. They know very well we're bankrupt. And I think it's part of the reason the Federal Reserve stopped quantitative easing three I think they've reached a point where they don't want to lend any more money to any more currency to the to the federal government. They know they're not going to get paid back. Give us some more U.S. bonds. They're they're not going to work. Right? I think that's why the Federal Reserve. I could be wrong, but I think that's at least one of the reasons why they sat back and they said we're not lending any more money. We're ending quantitative easing three. I think it's if I'm right, there won't be a quantitative easing four. A lot of people have been predicting well, quantitative easing QE to infinity. I don't think so. I think the Federal Reserve is so deep in the hole right now, they know they're never going to get out. They owe four and a half trillion. They've got four and a half trillion dollars worth of debt. At least three and a half, four trillion is U.S. bonds. They're never going to get anything back for them. They're in trouble. I know it's all paper entries and digital entries and the rest of that, but they've got a mathematical problem that they will not easily overcome. And if I'm correct, Maybe I'm not, but if I'm correct, it means the government can't get much more money out of the private sector. Some people will still lend money to government, but not to the degree that was true five years ago. And if the private sector won't lend money to the federal government, and if the Federal Reserve won't lend money or can't lend money to the federal government, then where, how are they going to continue to go deeper into debt right? in order to have borrow more in order to pay the existing bills if they're line of credit gets cut off and they can't borrow more 
How are they going to support Social Security and entitlements and the national defense? They're already facing cutbacks. You read the newspapers, you see it almost every day. Something's being cut back. All right, The government is cutting back here, there, wherever. It's all evidence that they're broke. We are not Greece, but we are much like Greece, and we may be worse off than Greece, although it may not show up for who knows. You know, Greece has had its problems and is having its problems, and more than likely we're going to do something similar in this country. The question is, will we also play this little game of pretending that we can pay off the debt when, in fact, never going to happen? And people have to understand, just because it looks like the stock markets are hitting these numbers, and that's what we're going to talk about probably after the next break, even though these numbers at the stock market, the Dow, the S&P, the, the NASDAQ are showing these high numbers, things just didn't go away because they extended the budget for two years. These problems just increased in size. It has, it, and that to me is what's shocking, is they they do this and yet everything just seems to go right along with their little plan. You can never under and underestimate their power and their abilities to keep this illusion going yeah. uh, through the means that they have, and uh, so people see the higher stock markets and they feel comfortable. They feel that well, things must be okay. Well, they're not. Yeah, and don't get caught up in that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, well, we can so we're in a very—it's a very serious situation because that's what happens to people. They—they they look at these signs and they feel that well, you know, maybe I'm not doing as well as everybody else, and it—they it, don't do what they need to do, and they sit back and they don't they are pay attention. Rational. They are not responding to objective reality with a, with rational decisions, and we're going to talk more about that when we come back. One of the things we'll try to get to is the concept of the money illusion. This is a phenomenon that's recognized by economists, the American people. I've never heard of it until today. I've talked about it in my own way. I've sensed it and I've talked about it, but I've never heard. Economists have recognized it all the way. It goes back to 1928, the first time they talked about the money illusion. We will talk about that and how people, they are susceptible to the illusion rather than reality. And insofar as that's true, they do things that are irrational. We'll talk about it when we return on Financial Survival in just a moment. Please stay tuned. will be a part of our future. The question is, how do we protect ourselves? Are you willing to put your trust in an untested vaccine hoping it kills mutating viruses? Remember, in 1976, health officials tried to inoculate Americans with swine flu, and there was a 300% death rate for those inoculated, and millions were paid out in damages. God gave you a sophisticated immune system, and in times of need, you can make it 10 times stronger. So there's no need to panic. Just get prepared. Call Apothecary Herbs to order your upgraded pandemic kit. You will have eight professional strength formulas offering broad-spectrum immune-boosting protection. Take a stand. Have a plan. Have peace and request your pandemic kit today. 
Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866-229-3663, or online, thepowerherbs.com. That's 866-229-3663, or thepowerherbs.com. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. I'm Alfred Addis, here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival. What's next, Melody? Well, we're going to go ahead and we are, we're going to be talking about the uh, uh, what you had wanted to talk about. All right, if we want to go to that, you had something else I thought, but if we want to go to the money illusion, here's something that I, I just stumbled onto this concept. We've talked about this just in the last day or two, although I didn't understand this term. I'd never heard of it before. Right. It, um, and I'm going to be reading in part from Wikipedia. You can look this up yourself on the Internet. The concept money illusion. You can find it on Wikipedia, as it turns out. And when I've talked about it, I've tried to explore the idea that while the price of gold, we talked about this a We've couple of days ago, about it for had years. fallen 15 wow. points, had fallen 15%, the value of dollars was up by 21% right, about it on the U.S. dollar. Well, I get that. We touch on it from time to time, but we haven't. I mean, mean, the last day or two we talked about it. All right? And the point I was groping to explain was the idea that because, although the price of gold as of yesterday or thereabouts was down 14%, I think it's 15% right now, over the course of the last year or so, during the same period of time, the value of the dollar is up 21, 22%. All right? The point being is you subtract the one from the other, and it turns out, even though the nominal price of gold has fallen, the purchasing power, the real value of gold, has risen by 6-7% over the course of the last year. All right? That's the implication. And I know that's a peculiar argument, the sort of thing the average person, wow, I think that's just contrived. But it turns out that economists know exactly what I'm talking about. Here's the Wikipedia article. They say in economics, money illusion or price illusion refers to the tendency of people to think of currency in nominal rather than real terms. What do they mean by that? They mean, in other, they say, in other words, the numerical face value, the nominal value of money is mistaken for its purchasing power, which is its real value. Right? <clears throat> 
Now, this is a false. This is this is a false way of looking at things. Again, as modern fiat currencies have no intrinsic value, and their real value is derived. It's derivative from all the underlying value systems in an economy, and they list sound government, sound economics, sound education sound legal system, sound defense. These are the underlying value systems in an economy, according to this article. Now, just sound government is one of them. How many of you think we have sound government right now? How about sound economics? You think we have sound economics? According to this, this, according to this Wikipedia article, that's one of the foundations for the value, the perceived value of our currency. How about sound education? How many of you are proud of the American education system? How about the sound legal system? Justice will be done though the heavens fall? Bunk. Money will be made, all right, though the heavens fall. That's the, that's the attitude. Point of making. We don't have, even by the terms presented in this article, we don't have good reason to believe and have confidence in the nominal value of money. But... The article is talking about the difference between the numerical face value, the nominal value of money is mistaken for its purchasing power. This is the same argument that I've been trying to understand myself and explain on the program when we talk about gold is at a particular price. And people say, oh my gosh, the price of gold has fallen. And it's all, this money illusion is about people only get price. All right, they get it. They understand the nominal price. They do not understand purchasing power. And they're telling us here, they're telling us purchasing power, that's the real value. Purchasing power gold is up 6-7% last in the last 12-15 uh, months. Price, nominal price is down. All right? But the purchasing power is up as measured in dollars. Uh, the term was coined by Irving Fisher in stabilizing the dollar book that was written back in the 1920s, um, popularized by John Maynard Keynes in the early 20th century, and Irving Fisher wrote an important book on the subject, The Money Illusion, in 1928. The existence of the money illusion is disputed by monetary economists who contend that people act rationally, that is to say, they think in real prices with regard to their wealth. All right? Some economists say, oh, people are doing things completely rational. This is rational when you treat that piece of paper that you have in your wallet as if it's money. It's, oh, yeah, this is rational. But others, economists, and they mention Elder Shafir, Peter A. Diamond, Amos Zversky, um, have provided empirical evidence for the existence of the effect and it has been shown to affect the behavior of experimental and real-world situations. Schaefer et al. also state that the money illusion influences economic behavior in three, way, in three main ways. Price stickiness is number one. Money illusion has been proposed as one reason why nominal prices are slow to change, even where inflation has caused real price costs or costs to rise price stickiness. We stick with the nominal, we ignore the reality. Contracts and laws are not indexed to inflation as frequently as one would rationally expect. And incidentally, neither are taxes. We are looking at circumstances when we start to understand this, this money illusion, 
Well, you can see the government acts rationally in relation to the money illusion, but the public does not. The government acts rationally from its own in its own best interest, when it causes 2% inflation. It is robbing its creditors. Right? It, might be, it might not be acting morally, but it's acting rationally. Government is getting over when it can cause inflation. It's a rational act from just in the same sense that it's rational for some people to rob banks. It's immoral, it's criminal, it's a bunch of things, but still you need money, you rob a bank. The government, uh, 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 the, the government is too irrational to notice or care about inflation. The only thing they care about is price. They don't care about purchasing power. And that's the money illusion. People only look at price, don't look at purchasing power. This argument, this insight, this, this, this concept, monetary, been recognized for a century, basically, right now. They haven't talked about it. Public isn't aware of it in any reasonable way. This is the first time I've heard about it. Um, and I guarantee I, I would be much surprised if more than 1% of the American people had ever heard of the concept. And it's probably less than that. 99% never heard of it. It's if you want to succeed, if you want to prosper, you have to learn to make investments based on increasing purchasing power, which is a more subtle but fundamental concept than merely nominal price. And you can't confuse the price of the house went up from 200000 to $300,000. And we sit back and say, yay, I have an extra $100,000 because I, I bought that house. My equity in the house is now up an extra $100,000. Of course, inflation has reduced my, my actual income by 30%. All right? We don't look at that. I'm getting the same amount of money, but the purchasing power is down. What I'm groping here to try to get communicate is that this is a valid concept, and if you want to practice, you want to prosper, you have to learn to think in terms of what is the purchasing power of a particular investment, not its price. The price is not a significant. Oh, I won't say it's insignificant. I won't say it's an insignificant factor, but it's not the controlling factor. If you want to prosper, you must invest in things whose purchasing power is going up, even if the price is going down. And what are the things? And what are what's a good example of that? It's the gold we were talking about just yesterday, the day before. In the last year, price of gold has fallen now 15 percent. Value of the dollar is up 27% or 22%. Purchasing power of the dollar, at least as measured on the U.S. dollar index, up 22%. Implication, even though the price of gold is down, the nominal price is down. People say, oh, I don't want any gold. The nominal price is down. I'm saying, wait a second. The purchasing power is up. It's not a bad investment. It's actually been doing well if you deal with reality. And that's what they're talking about here. They're saying, look, people just look at price, and that is irrational. They see the illusion. The price is the illusion. What's the purchasing power? And that's where you should be looking if you're going to make an investment. Um, money illusion can also inf influence people's perception of outcomes. Experience has shown that people generally perceived an approximate 2% cut in nominal income with no change in monetary value as unfair. But see, a 2% rise 
in nominal income, where there's 4% inflation is fair, despite being almost rational equivalents. <clears throat> Furthermore, money illusion means nominal changes in price can influence demand, even if real prices have remained constant. Um, the article continues. It's not lengthy. You can find it yourself. Um, again, money illusion. You can find it on uh, Google it. And it turns out that it's not just a contrived argument. It's been around. Economists have recognized this for a long time. And, you know, it gives a certain amount of things I've been, that I wasn't aware of. I didn't know that the, the concept had been recognized in a meaningful way. And I was trying to figure it out for myself. And now you say, oh, wait a second. They've already done this. They, were, they, were, they understood this a century ago. I'm just now figuring it out, and I'm going to guarantee that 99.9% .9 of the people in the audience are just now beginning to grasp this idea. If you want to prosper in this world, don't worry about the price. Worry about the purchasing power. Right? Gold's purchasing power has increased in the last 12, 15 months. Price is down. Well, purchasing power is up. The purchasing power of gold goes far back than just the last year and a half. You can take an ounce of gold, which is a perfect example of your money illusion. You can take an ounce of gold today, and it will buy you the same thing as it did 100 years ago. Well, in some regards, it might even buy you more. Well, I mean, but right, but that's the prime illusion. example. It would buy, buy you a good suit in 1900. It will buy you a good suit today. Exactly. All right. That's Longer than 100 years it. anymore. The illusion and, yes. is not in the gold. That is the reality. The illusion is in these pieces of paper we carry around in our wallet and we think of as money. And people only see price denominated in these pieces of paper. But the gold is hanging on to its value. It goes up. It varies. There's, there's a certain amount of variation. But in terms of the dollar has lost 95% of its purchasing power since Nixon went off the gold standard in 1971. We don't even pay attention to it. A dollar today is worth a nickel when I was a kid. Right? Do we care? No. We just hang on to those $100 bills and we salivate like one of Pavlov's dogs. Ooh, a $100 bill. They are telling us from the perspective of economists, those of us who are salivating at the sight of a $100 bill are irrational. On the other hand, if those of those of us who salivate at the sight of a gold coin, they're actually responding to objective reality. They are rational people. And this is part of the problem you have sometimes, is communicating this idea. Because the implication are that those of us who embrace the modern monetary system, we're actually irrational. The ones who sit back and say, oh, paper dollars, debt-based monetary system, fiat currency, it's the modern way to go. You're irrational. Irrational in the sense of being crazy. The other people are sitting back and saying, no, no, wait a second, I think gold is the way to go. They're the ones that are rational, and, and most of the world is saying, you're crazy. Gold is nothing. Right. We need paper and digital dollars and paper dollars, and that's the formula for getting rich. The world is mad, Melody. You understand that? And this 
this article on money illusion. It explains, to me at least, some of the frustration we can wind up feeling at times. You try to communicate what you think is right. You try to communicate what you think is true. And yet, it falls on deaf ears. And the reason is because people are, have succumbed to this money illusion. They have become irrational. And as long as they remain irrational, it's going to be difficult to make them understand, wait, here's reality over here. You are living in a dream world. Got your paper money, your digital money. Well, dream world. One of the reasons it falls on, on death's ears is because you have so many other financial planners and so forth that are that, that you know they're they're you know they don't want people to understand, well, understand. and they deal in gold and gold paper they they fell away from the fundamental of gold yep. and that's what i've been trying to say they don't focus and i think it has damaged the gold and silver markets yep. i think why that i think that is why there's a huge lack of interest in gold and silver but at um, the same time created an opportunity their opportunity. It created their opportunity. It created their opportunity when people just got into the market, you know, after 2008. When it was easy. It was easy to sell gold and silver. And, uh, you know, they threw a lot of pay people into paper, gold and silver, uh, without explaining the purchasing power of gold and how it protects it over yep. a long period of time. We'll and talk more about this in the future, Melody, because we be out of time. All right? But you folks can look this up yourself, the money illusion, money illusion. Google it. See what you can learn about it. I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival. We're out of here. Thanks for listening. Hope you tune in to us again tomorrow. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, and Frank, the producer. Bye-bye. All night I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. Ain't it sad? And still there never seems to be a single penny left for me. That's too bad. In my dream, I have a plan. If I got me a wealthy Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. 
prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGScoins.com. That's DGScoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Welcome to the Messiah's Branch Prophecy Hour. We are broadcasting live from the Flint Hills of Kansas, and we're on the American Voice Radio Network. Today's date is October Just don't realize it, but we are in that time of the end. And that's the time before Messiah's glorious return. It's time to get out of sin, the world, and look to the holy city. Look to the one who suffered and died for you. Hear the sound of the shofar. Heed the warning. Get right now before it's too late. Please make this choice tonight. If you need help after this program, call me. I'll pray for you or with you. If you get the machine, please leave your name, your number, your prayer request, and or message. Another way to get prayer requests to me is send me a letter in the mail. I'll take it with me um, to the Mission Church. We will lay hands on it, 
anoint it with oil, pray on it, and mail it back to you at no charge to you. The phone number, of course, is 620-878-4682, 620-878-4682. In an emergency, my cell phone number is 316-619-4886. You can always find updates with the breaking news, our ministry, radio program archives, and our mailing address at our blog, which is very simply prophecyhour.com. That's prophecyhour.com. And we are a national satellite radio program, which is simulcast live on the net, so that makes it international. So please pray about supporting airtime. We are also podcast these things, as most of you know, and that costs money, so pray about it. Anyway, our program archives can be found at prophecyhour.com. Go over there and have a look. It's a hub for everything you can get to everything that you need to know about our ministry. Now on another note, you know if you're a regular listener to this radio program, you know I strongly believe that you should have a stock of food for at least a year. I mean, anything could happen. You know, a tornado could happen. It could be the economic collapse. There's many, many things that could happen. Generally, I say make it a lifestyle like I have. Add extra things from the stores you go along. But, you know, many people do sell storage food out there, so I've been checking in to see what they have to offer and see if it's something well I would eat. And I found the best one i found thus far is why it's called Wise Foods. You can find a link to it at prophecyhour.com uh, for them and a telephone number. In fact, I suggest uh, spending a few minutes on the phone with them. The number is 855 855- Nine seven seven nine eight four four eight five five nine seven seven nine seven seven nine eight four four. They even have things like emergency backpacks and things. Really, I we have emergency backpacks standing ready. We have about ten of them in our household just in case. Even though I I think that I'm not going to have to leave here, I may have to bug out. So I've got those backpacks and had them probably since about. Oh, 2000 or something like that, maybe a little bit before, ready to go for my family members in case that we have to get out of here. You, if you don't have time or don't know what to put in, these people have this also. Also, This is just to help you out. I'm not saying the world's going to collapse tomorrow or next week or anything, and don't buy food just because I said to and stretch your budget. But if you're looking to buy food or maybe you're already doing it and you want to find a good place, this is a good place to do it. If you go through a link on our website uh, or you use the phone number that I gave you, they will give Messiah's Branch a little bit of the money. Um, and, you know, I don't see anything wrong with that. Uh, if there is, send me an email and we'll talk about it. But the point is, is a percent will go to Messiah's Branch and that will go to the poor. So pray about it. Uh, but regardless, even if you don't want to use Wise Foods, you need to stock up, and you should have at least a year's supply on hand. That should be part of your lifestyle. Now, prayer will bring on a nice guest. Dear Heavenly Father, in Yeshua HaMashiach's name, I pray. Father, I pray that radio tonight goes according to your will and not mine. Father, I don't know how to do radio. Only you know how to do everything, right? So, Father, I pray, please take over this program tonight and let come out what you want to come out according to your will and not mine. And please give, give everyone out there ears in which to hear the truth. So please, Father, in your Son's mighty name, Yeshua HaMashiach, bless this program tonight. Amen and amen. 
Well, our guest tonight is the publisher of the Economic Collapse blog. This blog is a go-to place if you want to know what's going on, let alone, you know, he can mix even some comedy in with it, you know, and it's pretty good. Uh, but I don't know, if you go over there and look at the first article right now, there's a, a really stupid picture of Obama looking at himself in the mirror. So I don't know. Haven't read that one all the way. But anyway, he's also author of the book, The Beginning of the End. The book is written as a novel, like The Harbinger was. Recently, he also made a very informative uh, set of DVDs called The Economic Collapse, World War III, The Death of America, The Regathering of the Ten Tribes. Lost Tribes of Israel. We've talked about part of that on this radio program. So let's just bring him on. It's enough of my banner. Welcome now, Michael Snyder. Are you there with me, Michael? I am here, Pastor Dan. It's really great to be back with you. Yeah, amen. Hey, uh, I had uh, Nathan uh, Leo on uh, my first program today, and uh, Mm -hmm. he told me to tell you hello. He was just in a conference with you. Yeah, we had a we had a great gathering of believers during the Days of Awe. We called it the Days of Awe Conference uh, up here in uh, Sandpoint, Idaho. We actually had believers come in from 12 different states, from Canada, and a lady came up on a bus from Mexico. Believers from all over came in for a weekend of prayer and repentance, and Nathan Leal was there, Benjamin Baruch was there, Lynn Leaz was there, I was there, and we had a really great time. Yeah, amen. He said he he uh, talked about you know uh, people coming up to the altar and everything you know and it really being spirit filled and so, amen. That's the way I like to see a conference. You know, I I don't know about you and I'm not going to pick on anybody, but I have been to those things over the years and you know a lot of them are just so dry. You know what I mean? But when the spirit's moving, that's where I want to be at. How about you? Oh, and it's all about ministering to people and winning souls and advancing the kingdom. It's not, you know, so many of these conferences, people get up there and they want to impress everyone with, uh, you know, how smart they are, and they want to sell some books. Well, I didn't bring any of my books or materials. I didn't have anything for sale. We just came there to do business with God, and and that's what we did. And, And we're starting to see the remnant rise up all over the country and all over the world. And, and so that was just a small taste of it, what we had there in, in September in Sandpoint, but it, it's happening. And I'm hearing people from all over the planet who are hungry for God and they're frustrated with the uh, organized church. They're frustrated. They know they're not getting truth from their denomination. And, and so they're seeking the things of God. And so people came hungry. They wanted to, to, to hear about what God was doing, and, and they wanted to pray. And, and so that's what we spent a lot of time doing. Well, amen. Well, you know, see, then you're going by his agenda, the Father, and not by man's agenda. And so that that's just really wonderful, you know. Amen. So, and yeah, it was a, I, actually that conference is why I picked out, I asked Nathan to come on because I, I was looking through some stuff and I saw that you and Benjamin, you know, had been in a conference with him. And I thought, well, if you guys like the guy, well, then maybe I will. And so... I uh, got him on the program, and he was trying to figure out who referred him, and I said, well, nobody really, except for, you know, the, the Lord, of course, but, um, uh, so it was, a, it was a really good program. I really liked Nathan. Oh, I, I, I'm glad you did, and, and you know what? There's so many believers out there just attacking one another, but, you know, we've got to, you know, be able to work with each other, realize who our friends are and who our enemies are, 
You know, and, and even though, for example, Nathan Leal and I, we don't agree on every single point, neither do I or, or Benjamin Baruch, but we came together and organized this thing, and, and believers from all over the country had a wonderful time. And so we've got to realize who is on our side and who is not on our side. But instead, I see Christians that I respect, and, but they're fighting each other. They're viciously yeah. going after each other. And it's very, very sad because as the church, as believers, we're being attacked from a thousand different directions right now. If we don't pull ourselves together, we're going to get just wiped out. Yeah, absolutely. You're so very right. Um, I I won't mention names here, but, you know, I know somebody that that recently um, went on the attack against, you know, uh, somebody else. And and I could tell the underlying reason was is they wanted people to accept their prophecies, you know, but their prophecies weren't the same as the others, so the only way that they could, um, you know, I, I guess they felt that they could be heard is by first destroying the other person. And you know what? A lot of times, uh, you know, prophecy, while we see through a glass darkly, you know, it's like a many-sided structure. There's so many different sides to it, and from one side of it, we can't see everything. And so maybe the guy a couple of sections over has a different part of it. And so you're right. We've got to look together uh, for that. Amen. Amen, Pastor. And I think right now there's a lot of frustration in the Christian world because of September came, and there were so many expectations, anticipations, and the world didn't end in September. And so a lot of people's expectations were not met, and so people now are frustrated, they're pointing the finger at one another, or they're saying, this person was false, that person was false. You know, when, you know, the truth is a lot happened in September, but it didn't necessarily play out exactly how people were anticipating. For example, in September, you know, we did see at one point $11 trillion were wiped out from global financial markets. This is according to Bloomberg, $11 trillion globally were wiped out. The stock markets of, of the ten largest economies around the world all crashed simultaneously. Here, in, in the, the Chinese stock market was down 40% at one point. The German stock market was down 25% at one point. In the United States, we saw the eighth largest stock market crash in U.S. history and the tenth largest stock market crash in U.S. history happened within 30 days just prior to the end of the, the Shemitah cycle. And yet, you know, People, there's some people that were running around saying nothing happened. Well, maybe nothing happened according to their expectations, but we really did see the greatest global financial shaking that we had seen in exactly seven years until just prior to the previous Shemitah cycle. But now there's all these people running around attacking Jonathan Kahn, pointing the fingers at him, when to, to, the truth is that so much actually did happen in the financial world, and Jonathan Kahn always said, we're not looking at any particular day, but we're looking at a pattern that has happened many times over, you know, for, for going back many, many years. And so, in my view, you know, we did see a tremendous amount happen financially, and otherwise as well, we can talk about some of the things that have been happening, happening since mid-September, late September, but uh, so many people out there are, are pointing the finger. Their expectations of what they thought would happen were not met. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, there's other things that, you know, like they were talking about the blood moons. You know, I, 
I don't know exactly what day they signed the pact, but on the the day of the blood moon, which uh, according to the calendar that I go by anyway, the Jewish calendar, at that day, Russia went down and they signed a pact with Iran, Iraq, and Syria. And to me, that has huge prophetic significance. That was a major thing that a lot of people were ignoring, and it happened on the actual Blood Moon Day. Back to you. Yeah, and on, on the, at the timing of the Blood Moons, just before that, the weekend of September, of September 25th, 26th, and 27th, well, on September 25th, the Pope flew to New York City to give the speech, the address, which kicked off the conference where the 2030 agenda is being unveiled for the general public is being referred to as the global goals. There are 17 global goals, which are basically a template for a global government, a united world, a one world order, if you will. And the Pope endorsed it on September 25th. And then on September 26th, a global citizen festival was held in New York City, in Central Park. Some of the biggest names in the uh, music world, including Beyonce, were there to perform and promote the new global goals. And there, a, a video was released, and you can find it on YouTube. Just go to YouTube and type in the global goals, where some of the biggest actors and celebrities in the world endorsed these new global goals, this template for a one-world order. And, and then the conference wrapped up in, uh, on September 27th. And as the Pope was flying o- away from the United States, Leaving the United States away from that conference, he could look out the window of his plane and see the blood moon. And so, you know, we, 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 we saw that happen. Another thing that happened at the timing of the blood moon is that the tropical, that the storm that would become Hurricane Joaquin had developed into a tropical depression there on September 27th and September 28th, the timing of the blood moon. And so this hurricane scaled the east coast of the United States, and it never made landfall, but moisture from that storm devastated South Carolina and other regions along the, uh, along the east coast of the United States. In fact, in South Carolina, they got so much rain that the governor of the state, Nikki Haley, she said it was the most rain that, that they had seen in some areas in a thousand years. Yeah. Yeah. Tremendous flooding on the east coast, and following that, we had... Uh, a, a very unusual storm hit the west coast of the United States, um, causing tremendous rain in Southern California, tremendous mudslides. Yeah, there were vehicles that were covered in feet of mud. In fact, just a couple of days ago, they finally dug someone out. His car had been encased in feet of mud. He was dead. He was trapped by this tremendous flooding. Then we had the remnants of Hurricane Patricia, which actually was one of the biggest, most powerful hurricanes in world history, but it came up through Mexico into Texas, just dumped enormous amounts of rain on Texas. It rained so much, there was so much flooding, and actually derailed a train. So this is something uh, which has happened just here since the end of September. We've also seen wildfires on September 23rd, which was Yom Kippur, a date many were pointing to. Barack Obama formally declared the Valley Fire in California to be a major disaster on that date. And this year, most people don't realize this, up to this point, according to the National Interagency Fire Center, we have had more acres of land destroyed by wildfires this year than any year in U.S. history except for 2006. Right now we're just barely behind the the record pace of 2006, although more fires are going on right now. So I expect by the end of this year 
it'll actually be number one, the greatest year for wildfires in all of U.S. history. So that's another kind of judgment, if you will, that we've seen within the last 30 days. And right. then another thing is we've seen earthquakes. In, there's a, a small city called San Ramon. It sits approximately 45 miles east of San Francisco. In the last two weeks alone, we've seen more than 400 earthquakes hit just that city, 45 miles east of San Francisco, a record amount. They've never seen an earthquake swarm like this, but it's happened just over the last two weeks. Hey, I got a question. You said, and I read that one. Um, how far was that from San Francisco? Do you, I mean, that's not good. I mean, that could be San Francisco, couldn't it? Oh, yeah, it's just 45 miles away. So it's, it's pretty close with an easy driving distance of, of San Francisco, 45 miles. You well, know, we so can say easy shaking distance. <laughs> yes. I shouldn't laugh. I'm sorry. It's just that I, I, you know what? I was born in San Jose. Before I pick on California too much, and I know I have listeners, Michael, in California, so i got to say this before I say what I want to say, and I shouldn't be laughing. I was born in California, and I was brought to Kansas when I was, you know, uh, like three years old, and I went back once, didn't much care for the overcrowding. So having said that, um, still California, you know, and I'll say this about both coasts, the east and the west coast, those are the epics of the sin that is crushing this country. And you know what? So, you know, I I really I, I try to keep a straight face when I hear of uh, th- and I don't want anything bad to happen to anybody anywhere in it, but I kind of, you know, uh, it's like they need to repent over there. You know what I'm saying? Back to you. Oh, that's exactly my message, Pastor Dan. And God has opened up a door for this message, what I'm about to share with you, in front of some very big audiences lately and share what I'm about to share with you. But God opened up a door for me to go on the Jim Baker show and share this. He opened up a door for me to go on the Alex Jones show and share this. What I'm going to share is this. In the legal world, I used to be an attorney years ago, and in the legal world, before punishment, before the sentence is administered, there is a pronouncement of guilt. And I believe over the past six months or so, that's exactly what's happened to America, where we are being shown our sin in a whole bunch of ways, whether it's the gay marriage Supreme Court decision, the whole Ashley Madison thing, exposing so many preachers with their sin, or in particular, I I don't believe it's any accident these undercover Planned Parenthood videos have come out at this time. So we've had video after video. They've come out. And they've shown all of America and all over the world that we're killing millions of babies, we're chopping them up, we're selling off their organs to the highest bidder, where they're being uh, used in the most bizarre scientific experiments you can imagine. And now this has been put on display for the whole world. Now, after, you know, so many of these videos came out, they took a survey of the American people, and they asked the American people, should we continue to give federal funding to Planned Parenthood or not? The question was not even should we shut them down. The question was just, okay, we're giving Planned Parenthood hundreds of millions of dollars a year to do this. Should we quit giving? Should taxpayers quit funding this? Well, the results came back, and they were sobering. By a more than two-to-one margin, 69% to 29%, The American people said, yes, let's keep funding this. This was in USA Today. It was a national survey. So only 29% of all Americans even want to stop giving them taxpayer money after everything that is exposed. 
you know what that tells me, Pastor Dan? That tells me that America is done. America is finished. I believe that judgment is set, and I believe there's that, that we're not going to have chances to turn around before the judgment of God starts hitting this nation. Amen. You, well, you know, um, and uh, Nathan brought it up. We talk. He brought up Donald Trump and said that a lot of people think that um, that's you know uh, a blessing to America. You know that it could change. I don't see that there's been enough people to repent, you know, um, but, you know, uh, uh, that that to brought on real repentance, you understand what I'm saying? Um, and actually, he could even bring on greater destruction because if he looks like he's the front runner and he looks like that he may change something, that shortens the window for the people that want to do the things while Obama is still in office. You understand what I'm saying? Um, like other countries like Russia and so on and so forth that might want to attack America but wouldn't want to do it if we had a strong leader. Not saying Trump's the guy, but my point is is I'm with Nathan in the respect that I don't believe that that he's going to save us. You know, what do you think? Oh, I I completely agree with you, Pastor Dan. None of these people that are running are going to save us from what's coming. And in fact, Donald Trump, you know, they ask him about gay marriage. He's like, well, that's already been decided. We've got to move forward. We've got to move on. He doesn't want to overturn that. The majority of the American people, about 60% now, solidly are in favor of gay marriage. So we've willingly chosen our sin after years of God extending mercy and grace to us in trying to get us to turn around. We've shaken our fist at God, and we've, and we've told them to get out of our schools, to get out of our government, to get out of everything of public life. We continue to go into even more sin. We continue to go into even more depravity. And so now I believe that we're reaching the end of that period of mercy and grace, and that the judgment of God is coming. It's going to be more horrible than most people would even dare. I got to step in here. We're, we're we're only like twenty seconds before break. Real quick, uh, give them your website, and we'll come back and talk. Sure. My primary website is the Economic Collapse Blog. Just go to Google and type in the Economic Collapse. It's the first result that comes up. Or my and my other web, primary website is EndoftheAmericanDream.com. Okay, folks. We'll be back in three minutes. Dan will be right back. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149. 
$149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188 That's 800-375-4188 Protect yourself and your family. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices.
This is Pastor Dan Catlin, and you're listening to Messiah's Branch Prophecy Hour on the American Voice Radio Network. And I kind of chuckled for a minute there because uh, what I'm going to tell you is funny, but it's not. Um, and this is to, you know, I have a uh, email update list for people that, um, you know, want to know what's going on in our ministry, whether it's the Wichita Mission Church or with radio or whatever. And I've used a Yahoo group for that for, you know, since 1998 excuse me, 98 or 99, something like that. And now let's cut to something else. So I absolutely use that group, and those people that read those updates, they donate. Uh, that's most of my online donations and a lot of donations that come through the mail. They read those, and they donate to what's going on, okay? Well, I wondered why my donations this year have just been rotten. I am not kidding you. And so I found out today that that group that and I'm still I was still posting to it right because I send it all I do is send an email to my Yahoo groups and it goes on and and there it is. Well, I found out today that that group has been crashed since don't laugh January, and so that means I've been writing mission updates to I don't know invisible people. <laughs> well, a few people did get them because I have a few add-ons that aren't really in that group, but I add them on when I send the email. So those people haven't been getting updates from me, and so if you're one of those people, I apologize to you. And that also explains why we've had such a huge dramatic drop in donations this year. So we, I do have somebody that's a, uh, I'll call him an expert, that's working on it and trying to work with Yahoo and get their attention. So we can get into that group and get everybody's address, and we're going to create a new thing. Um, but in the meantime, I don't even have a way really to send out to my supporters what we need because I don't have their email addresses. And so we do need you to pray tonight about a donation for our work with the homeless and poor from our mission church in Wichita, Kansas. You know, so many people come to us for help, and the reason they come to us is because we give them a relationship. We treat them as family. We give them love. Beyond that, we don't have any set guidelines like programs. People just walk in the door and ask for what they need. And if we have it, we give it to them. If we don't, we pray it in, you know. Um, and we give all kinds of first aid that you wouldn't believe it. it. Just everything. And it's not, like I say, just a homeless guy that sleeps under the bridge. That's the wrong impression. While there is homeless guys and women and with children even that sleep outside and are under the bridge that come to us, there's also poor people that come to us that, um, you know, are trying to keep their jobs and so on and so forth. And so those people are even coming to us. And let me get this other thing across to you. You know, not every home, most homeless people, if you see them walking down the street, if, they, if you didn't know how to spot them because they have a backpack or something, they're not wearing it, they are, most of them are just as clean as you and me, maybe even cleaner, and they don't keep themselves badly, you know. Most of them don't. And so that image that you have from maybe it came from the 50s or 60s of all of that for all of the homeless people is a very wrong picture. You know, most of them aren't like that, but some are. Anyway, this, so we help people when other people can't. We are a last resort for so many. Anyway, I'm going to get out of this. But, uh, folks, every donation, no matter what size, really, really does help. And the Father notices all donations that come from where? Your heart. And I do have something to bring up. I had somebody from Wichita 
give us, uh, tell us that, hey, uh, I've got, an, my mom died, I have an estate, that not everything sold, and uh, wanted my wife to come over and look at the donations. So she went over and looked at all the donations. There was a house full of good furniture and good antiques, and he says, well, I'm going to give you all these. I'm going to probably sell off a couple more things, but you can basically have everything here. So we, it was a week go by before we could get over there, and that was planned. And so we got over there uh, yesterday and took a trailer over there. And you know what was the donation that was left for the poor? It was junk that you would put out on the curb just about. There was just a couple of things. There was not really anything in the thing to sell or nothing. And then, okay, they want a receipt, you know, a thank you note for the things that, we, that they gave us so they could, you know, get a, a reward for it or whatever for giving it to us. And, you know, let me go with this. It just bothers me because you're not supposed to give the worst to God. You know, it, the Scripture even tells us, he who gives to the poor lends to God. We're supposed to give the best to him, you know. We're supposed to give the best to him. He, that's why he says tithes. Tithes is the first money that we get, not the last money we get. And so it really drives me crazy. You know, one time I even had somebody call me up and tell me, say, hey, I'm butchering a cow, and I thought about you guys, and I want to know if you want the guts. Really? The guts? Anyway, you can donate online or mail a check or money order, and you can find all this information at PropCR.com, or call me if you need to at 620-878-4682. And now we're back with Michael Snyder from the Economic Collapse Blog. Are you still with me, Michael, or did you bail out? No, I'm here, Pastor Dan. Well, I'm glad. I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have been sarcastic. Hey, uh, first off, though, I was looking at your website, and I haven't really read this article, and I had to scroll down because I couldn't take it. There's this uh, picture of Obama looking at himself in the mirror, and it's terrible. <laughs> and I, I had to scroll down because I kept looking over here, and I'm seeing Obama sticking his tongue out at me, you know. <laughs> but uh, what is that about? Well, the title of the article is Mentally Unstable Obama Looking to Start a War with China? Question mark. And the reason I wrote the article is because Barack Obama seems to be going insane. You know, just the other day, this week, what he did is, you know, we, we've got the Chinese, and they've, they've kind of uh, taken these uh, disputed islands in the South China Sea, and they've started to build them up uh, and develop them, and so... Barack Obama, what he did is he, he said, well, I don't like this. And the Chinese said, well, you know, don't come over here because we might just start shooting at, you know, if you send a ship over here. So what did Obama do? Well, instead of trying to hit, you know, and this is something that needs to be handled, but instead of handling it a different way, he said, well, we're going to send a guided missile destroyer right by these islands, and we're going to see if the Chinese start shooting at us, you know, essentially potentially sparking World War Three. So that's exactly what he did. He sent this guided missile destroyer right past these islands, right past it. And so the Chinese, they sent out ships to warn them. And, and, and fortunately, the Chinese didn't shoot back, although the Chinese are saying, well, if you do it again, you know, we might not be so gracious next time. So, you know, the concern is that Obama might be trying to start World War Three, And, of course, it's not just in the South China Sea. You know, you see what's going on over in Syria, where the Russians have come in, the Russians all of a sudden are bombing all these targets. But my question is, the, U the U.S. military said they had been bombing ISIS targets in Syria for over a year. 
And so if the U.S. military has done such a good job, why are there still all these targets? The Russians have released all these videos of these targets being destroyed, uh, ISIS headquarters, uh, ammunition depots, uh, all, the, all these facilities. Why do these targets still exist if the U.S. has been bombing them into oblivion for over a year? Could the U.S. military not find all these targets? Could, uh, you know, did Obama not want them to be bombed? Well, it, it creates a, a lot of questions. But So Russia's been doing this bombing in Syria, and the Obama administration says, well, we don't like this very much. So what did the Obama administration do? The Obama administration just recently uh, airdropped 50 tons of weapons and ammunition behind the enemy lines to the uh, so-called moderate rebels, although there's not really any moderate rebels there, but they're basically arming the very people that the Russians are trying to get rid of, making the Russians really mad. And now, just yesterday, it was reported at NBC News that uh, Defense Secretary Ashton Carter is saying that the United States is going to begin, quote, direct action on the ground, unquote, against ISIS forces in Iraq and Syria. So we're going to be sending our troops into these areas that, where the Russians are conducting operations, and we're going to be helping the people, uh, you know, and, 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 and working in areas where the Russians are fighting. And so, you know, uh, it's really becoming a proxy war over there, and it's setting up a situation where our men and women might actually end up, could potentially end up shooting at Russian forces, yeah. you know, at some point. So it's it's really, many people are saying, what in the world's going on? Are we headed on a road to World War Three? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, not a lot of people have said anything about that. Well, they've talked about the Russians being over there. We are in such close proximity with the proximity to them, uh, whether it's our airplanes, our men, or whatever, you know, it won't. T- it doesn't have to be anything intentionally. What if we accidentally shoot down one of their planes, or so on and so forth? How are they going to take it? We and there's threats coming back and forth. We're telling them don't fly over Iraq or doing it anyway, so on and so forth. This looks that could blow up. If that was the Cold War, we would already be headed for bunkers. You know what I mean? Um, now. The people, where in America is anybody worried about it, other than maybe you and I and a few others? Back to you. Oh, it's very true, and Syria is not the only place. In Ukraine, you know, we've got this great civil war over in Ukraine, which has erupted, and uh, the Russians, uh, you know, are supplying personnel and weapons and supplies and tanks and everything else to the pro-Russian side. And on the, on the new government that's been set up in Kiev, which includes open, open neo-Nazis, by the way, the U.S. government is supporting the other side, uh, the side with the neo-Nazis as part of the government. But we've already been sending them non-lethal military aid. But now uh, this budget deal that was just agreed to this week is going to include lethal military aid for the government in Ukraine. So on the one side, there are going to be Russian weapons and supplies. On the other side, it's going to be U.S. weapons and supplies. So we've got this proxy war in Ukraine right on Russia's border. Ukraine is Russia's most important neighbor. And the Russian people are very, very upset about this. In fact, the poll that was taken found that well over 80% of all Russians now have a, Russians now have a negative view of this country, higher than at any point during the Cold War. So the Russian people and the Russian government 
are very, very upset with us for how we're interfering in Ukraine, how we're interfering in Syria. So the relationship between us and Russia is going down the tank. And now thanks to this issue in the South China Sea, our relationship with China, the most important perhaps trading relationship and economic relationship in the world, is going in the tank. And already we're seeing global trade decline. According to HSBC, the largest bank in the Western world, total global trade is down 8.4 percent in 2015 so far. That's a colossal decline in terms of the real economy, not the stock market, not the financial world, but in terms of real stuff going back and forth across the world to be down 8.4 percent for the year so far is huge. U.S. exports... Well, Barack Obama had said U.S. exports were going to be going up. He was going to increase them. Said they're down 11% for the year. And then September Chinese imports for the month of September, year over year, were down a whopping 20.4% from a year earlier. So the real economy, the real global economy, is is you know contracting and right. and, and declining very very rapidly. Absolutely. Um, the one article that that really did stu- stood out and or stands out. I didn't want to bounce you all over the place, but um, I really like the one that you you wrote, kind of as a, a thing for after September, um, and that was the quiet before the storm. It made a lot of sense. Back to you. Yeah, yeah. On all kinds of radio programs, watchmen that I respect, watchmen that I talk to, it seems kind of noticed that, you know, we had this shaking, financial shaking in late August and early September, but since then things have gotten really quiet on the surface, almost like too quiet, but it's not a good quiet. It's not a quiet like, oh, everything's going to be okay now, although a lot of people, you know, in mainstream America are treating it like that, like, okay, things were a little shaky there for a while, but everything's calmed down now. Everything, September's over, everything's going to be fine, I don't have to prepare anymore. The, the Shemitah has passed, and a lot of Christians out there are taking this approach. But to me, it's an eerie calm. It's a calm before the storm. And so we have so many things happening, whether, you know, a geopolitical instability, which we've talked about, or in Israel, the, the, the violence which has happened over there. Or we've got the, the, this uh, evidence of a global recession. In fact, HSBC, which I mentioned earlier, the biggest bank in the Western world, says that Global economic activity, global GDP, if it was all converted into U.S. dollars, it would be down 3.4% for the year already. Serious recession. According to them, we're already in a global recession, and yet the stock market hasn't gotten a memo yet. We've seen the stock market bounce back significantly in October, so a lot of people are saying, oh, the crisis has passed. We're going to be okay. Meanwhile, under the surface, we've got all kinds of, of things stirring, all the kinds, kinds of, kind of like in 2008, where, you know, one day Lehman Brothers, it was in the news, they collapsed, you know, but that didn't happen in a single day, it happened over time, and right. we're seeing all kinds of problems, for example, Deutsche Bank, the biggest bank in Germany, one of the biggest banks in the Western world, they're having huge problems, they just announced one of their biggest losses ever, they recently let their co-CEOs go, just today, I came across an article announcing tens of thousands of, of layoffs by Deutsche Bank. And uh, uh, I keep getting reports they're in huge, huge trouble. The biggest bank in Switzerland, UB, UBS, apparently is in massive trouble with derivatives. 
the biggest commodity traders in the world, Glencore, Trafigura, no, the Noble Group, the biggest commodity trader in Asia, all of them, their stock prices crashed because of the commodity crash. Uh, they're in all kinds of trouble on the verge of going under. If any one of those or a, a number of other financial institutions around the globe that are in serious trouble right now, if any one of those were to collapse, it would be another Lehman Brothers moment, set off a 2008-style panic. So there's all this stuff that is going on right now just under the surface, which a lot of people, are, you know, which are uh, concerned, but it hasn't exploded into the headlines yet. And so the headlines still seem very, very calm. And so many believers out there say, well, everything's going to be okay. Well, I'm here to tell you everything is not okay. In fact, all of the underlying numbers are still screaming that we're, we've entered a recession and a major financial crisis is imminent. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? You said that you talk about on the surface and below the surface. You know, the, that just reminds me of, of a, a that just reminds me of like an ice cube. You drop an ice cube in the water. You know, you look you look at the ice cube in a glass of water. You know, there's a little bit of it on top, maybe that sticks out of the water, but most of it's below the surface, just like an iceberg. And that's what's going on. People are just looking right on the surface of things, and it looks all nice and calm, not knowing they're headed for that iceberg that they're surely going to crash into, because I do believe it's coming. All these things that you're saying is adding up. But, you know, we live, it's the society, and I don't look at it the rest of the world that way. It's just this Western society. It's the same way they look at Bible prophecy. They, if somebody gives a prophecy this week, if it isn't fulfilled next week, then it's no good. But we're still waiting for all the prophecies in the Bible to come true. You understand what I'm saying? And, you know, but we live in this society in the West that, it's just, you know, it's got to be immediate, right now, right now, right now, right now. What do you think? Oh, I totally agree with you, Pastor Dan. We're used to our instant copy, our video on demand, our 48-hour news cycle. we got to have everything now. Well, if you look in the Bible, you know, for example, Jeremiah, poor Jeremiah, he was prophesying for decades that Babylon was going to come in and that Jerusalem was going to fall and they were going to be taken away. Well, you know, poor Jeremiah, he had to wait for decades for it to finally be fulfilled. Meanwhile, they're throwing him down a well, they're throwing him in prison, they're treating him horribly. You know, what a poor guy. So, yeah, Christians, so many believers today don't have any patience. They won't take a longer-term view of things. And uh, so, yeah, it, it, it's very, very sad. Meanwhile, everything is on schedule. You know, and uh, I like your analogy earlier of the ice cube or the Titanic. If you saw the movie Titanic, the, the Titanic hit the iceberg under the water. And so at first it seemed like everyone on the surface, they, they, you know, they, they, they felt a little something, but they thought it was going to be fine, you know, no problem. Okay, maybe they glanced off at something. But underneath, the water started to come in and started to flood the ship. And eventually it went under. But, you know, on the surface, at first, it seemed like everything was going to be okay. So I think that's such a perfect analogy for the United States today. Not only yeah. economically, we're headed toward economic disaster, but everything, you know, I believe we're on the verge of the worst time this country has ever seen. And I believe it's coming up uh, very quickly, and I believe it's going to last for years. Yeah, absolutely. I do believe that we are coming up on, an, on, on something huge economically. I, you know, I can't put my finger on exactly when it's going to fall apart, but it's already started to tumble. 
You know, it really has started to tumble, and I don't think that uh, the only way that the nation could get out of it, everybody says, well, the nation could get out of it. Look at Nineveh. But look at Nineveh. Nineveh, the whole nation repented, you know, the whole nation fasted, even the leaders. You really see that happening for America? Back to you. I wish I, wish I could. And so, you know, uh, you know, there's been, been a call for America to repent. Instead, we've continued to race the other direction. And so, you know, uh, uh, you know, but we're, we, we can't get away with the crimes against humanity that we've been committing. And so I believe that, uh, you know, we're headed for the perfect storm that John Paul Jackson warned about. You know, John Paul Jackson, was, he was told that he would have an 11th hour ministry, and he passed away earlier this year. So what comes after the 11th hour is my question. Well, he warned of this perfect storm in which it's not just economic crisis, but we're going to see terrorism, we're going to see natural disaster, we're going to see plagues, we're going to see uh, governmental shaking, we're going to see civil unrest, we're going to eventually see martial law, essentially, they, you know, disaster after disaster, plague after plague, hardship after hardship are coming to this country. The judgment of God is coming, and we're going to deserve every ounce of what's about to happen to us. But that's only part of my message, Pastor Dan. Part okay. of my message that I believe God wants me to deliver is the warning message and the judgment and the hard things that are coming to this nation. But the other half of it is good news. Mm-hmm. In the midst of all this chaos and darkness, God is raising up his remnant. He's raising up a people. I believe we're going to see the greatest move of God the world has ever seen in these last days. I believe we're going to bring in the greatest harvest of souls the world has ever seen. I want people to know there's hope for them and their family. God has a plan. Everything that was going to happen in advance, he's got a plan for his remnant, a plan for uh, the pe- uh, people and their families. And he's going to gather his people. He's got a place for them to go. And uh, he's going to take care of us. And he's going to do great things with us. And so that's the uh, really the other half of my message. Yeah, amen. And, and it's it's just like that. You know, um, he puts us through tribulations. He allows tribulation for two reasons. A, to punish, but also B, to put us in the fire and to make us better so that we can be like him and be with him. And Christians are supposed to expect that tribulation, so he does change us, and so we do become better. He's trying to get our attention. You know, before, uh, well before it's complete, he will do uh, at a, you know, at a pace, like birth pains. That's what it's supposed to be, birth pains, until finally at the end of birth pains, what happens, Michael? Something very wonderful. A, A baby is born. In this case, Something very wonderful happens, Yeshua returns. Back to you. you got about um, a minute to say goodbye. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you, uh, Pastor Dan. We are looking forward to the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But before then, there's a whole lot of work to do. Whatever time we have left, that's all the time we have to bring in the rest of the harvest. And I'm not satisfied with the harvest right now that we're going to bring to Yeshua, are you? You know, now is the time no. to be winning people. Now is the time that we're going to see the greatest move of God. Now is the time the remnant is rising. So if what I'm saying stirs your heart, please come and visit my website, theeconomiccollapseblog.com, endoftheamericandream.com. Write to me, reach out to me. 
because it's time for the remnant to connect. It's time for the remnant to rise up, the army of the last days. God's going to do great things, so now's not a time to dig a hole and try to hide from the world. Now's the time to rise up and be the, the people that, that God created us to be. Amen. We were made for such a time like this, and the prophets and the, the apostles and everybody wished they would have been here. But, you know, we are here, and so, folks, he's probably got a purpose for you if you just fill out that application, and the application is get on your knees. Anyway, thanks for being on with me, Michael. I love you. We'll talk again. Be blessed, brother. Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you so much, Pastor Dan. I enjoyed being on with you again, and uh, I want to wish everyone uh, shalom. That's the Hebrew word for peace. All right, be blessed. Bye-bye. Well, folks, that's absolutely uh, – the point is, is you know, no day sin, but, you know, the world is headed to a huge crash, and I do believe America deserves judgment. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Why wouldn't he uh, give judgment to America with all the babies and everything he's killing? Okay, we must remember that there is only one God. That's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His son is Yeshua HaMashiach. He gave his life for repentant sins. He rose after three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And through him, and only through him, is the way to the Father. Remember, always, always, always be a blessing to others. Pray about supporting the Mission Church. And if you are out there buying storage food, do it from our website. At least the poor will get part of that money. Anyway, Lord our God, Father, King Universe, asking Yeshua HaMashiach's name, that the Father blesses and keeps you, and his face shines upon you, and is gracious to you, and gives you peace like no one or nothing else can. Until next Thursday, this is Pastor Dan saying goodbye and shalom. You've just heard the Messiah's Branch broadcast featuring Pastor Dan. To contact Dan on the Internet, go to messiahsbranch.org. To write to Dan, send a note to Messiah's Branch, 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Tune in next time for Messiah's Branch. running out, jobs leaving the country. Many people cannot afford to eat or keep a roof over their head. Too many can do neither. Messiah's Branch has a mission church in Wichita, Kansas that helps the victims of this banker's economy, the American people, your neighbors. The mission is the last hope for so many Americans. We need your help to lift up the poorest of the poor. These are men, women, and children who once had homes in the street. They all need what you need. First aid, beds, food, clothing, and so on. You can send a monetary gift or a box of necessities to 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Or donate online by going to wichitahomeless.com. Or simply call 316 316- 416-619-4886. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. 
Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Without clean water and air, you cannot maximize your health. MMS, or Miracle Mineral Solution Drops, can purify your water. And when mixed with citric acid, the chemical properties change and becomes a powerful water disinfectant. H2O Air Water Americas also has alkaline water ionizers, water filtration units, UV light purifiers, and whole room air purifiers, and provides free shipping within the continental U.S. on most items. In an effort to protect your right to get well, H2O Air Water Americas is a private healthcare membership association. You can find out more at their website at H2O airwateramericas.com that's h2o airwateramericas.com order doc mike's book how to practice medicine without a license be your own doctor for only 14.95 step into the world of power loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.